Welcome back to another episode of Dragons and Dreadforts. Woo! Woo! That was lame. We are excited, apparently not. Apparently really excited. <laughs> not excited that you're back. I'm Fuck Ron you. Burgundy. I'm Ron Burgundy. Um, no, we are excited that you're back for another episode. I don't know why this feels like a different energy in here, but uh, this is a good episode. Yeah, it was a good episode. Um... It's going to be a fun one, but before we jump in, we have a voicemail Yay. to listen to. Hey guys, Lauren here. Um, I just wanted to add some clarity on the basis conversation from last episode. Um, both as someone who played softball for over 10 years and a, I don't know, fairly experienced woman, uh, I feel like I have some insight on it. Oh, shit. Uh, if you're doing basic kissing, I feel like that's really just considered being on deck. I don't think that's worthy of being a base. I support that. Um, first base would be making out. Second base would be a feel-up, and that'd be under or over clothing, either way. Uh, third base would be your traditional oral sex, and home run is obviously sex. Um, and then for some days, if you're in the dugout, uh, probably anal. Um, also, fuck you, Nick, for thinking that only guys or girls who have daddy issues would call about this. Whoa. Come on, guys. You're better than that. <laughs> Are you better than that, Nick? Do you think you're better than that? I didn't. <laughs> I want to be clear. I did think that we would get mostly a, a male response. Um, so really appreciate the the perspective from... <laughs> As you call it, an experienced woman. Um, I do appreciate that. I don't think that I said the daddy issues thing to the uh, people that would call in about the bases. I want to go on record to say I believe her <laughs> more than I wow. believe you. That's fair. I probably do too. But I'm pretty sure that I said the daddy issues thing about uh, like the whole horse conversation we were having. Um not that that's a requirement and not that that means that you're definitely going to be that if you have those. But I think it was in that conversation that I said something stupid, not in the basis conversation, but I'm appreciative of another look at the bases. Um, yeah. Oral sex is the one that we didn't even throw in there. So I like, I think that, we did. I like that. She I asked said, about it. I, I like that. Remember. She threw out traditional oral sex. Well, I don't what's understand the, untraditional. That's that's what I'm wondering. As an unexperienced person, don't yeah. worry, don't worry about it, guys. Can you <laughs> shed some light on this? Don't worry about since it. Since this, that's, that's for our other podcast. Which one? I I don't know the podcast. Podcast. <laughs> I don't like that. Coming 2022. Get it? Coming Get it? like Keith <laughs> Winter like is Keith coming. Winter. Yeah. Um, uh, still don't get I, that joke. You don't get that joke. No, it's all right. We can we'll explain it to me later. I'll explain it to you right now. No, it's fine. So winter is coming. Oh, no. Is the words of the north. Right. Just all of the north. Well, those in Winterfell specifically. Okay. How stark. Mm -hmm. And your last name is Winter. You're not wrong. And so when winter is coming. It's like I'm on my way over here. It the means podcast. that winter in Game of Thrones is coming. But it also means that you as Keith Winter are, are coming over here. Coming. Apparently yeah. traditionally. <laughs> or, not. or not untraditionally she made that distinction interesting she, interesting look into that line into she your didn't life. give us an insight into where untraditional oral sex fits in though 
Can you provide some clarity I on that? Don't know if I can. I would like for you to. <laughs> I'll. I'll. Uh, Lauren, call back. Right. Also, I'll confer with my wife and I'll let you guys know. I didn't fully catch what she said about the dugout. I didn't fully catch that part either. Did, um, do you know what she said? I do not. Can you clarify what the dugout is? Because I feel like I'm in the dugout. You are in the dugout. But yeah, so um, I think um, that might have been the broadcast. Unless she's talking about dugout after you've hit the home run. Did she say "fuck me"? By the way, she, she did. did. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And it, you've had it coming for <laughs> like, a long time. I'm not. I'm not butthurt about it. I'm just. I just wanted to be clear. Your face That's when she said it was <laughs> delightful. Would have been worth spending however much money we should have spent to make this a video podcast yeah. just to catch that look. No, that was good. That was good. I like it. I like it. Keep it coming. I think it actually uh, plays well into the apology corner. Keith, do we have music for that? Uh, Justin, do we have music for that? I have not. No, I've not gotten this music for that yet. All right. Well, no Sorry music. Apology corner. Um, one. I am sorry for last episode. As I listened back, there was a ton of sex talk, like, and and we obviously continuing it now. But I felt a little apologetic about that because I feel like not everybody who's listening wants that in their life. And That's fair, yeah. So uh, I not, do apologize for that. Not if, to defend it or you, there was a lot of sex in the episode. There was, but and also even this still, is our podcast, so I'm still sorry about it. As I was listening, I was like, wow, "Are you is, though? Yeah, because you we." Or talking about it already in this episode. Okay, number two. I didn't bring it up. Lauren brought it up. Number two, I'm sorry that I said it was okay to beat a child for watching Yu-Gi-Oh. Um, <laughs> that's not okay. Many of the things you say are not okay. That's why we have the apology corner. Uh, and then number three is I would like to publicly apologize to the SJN show for totally taking over their podcast. I wasn't mad about and it. And making it. And making it better. A lot better. Um, I'm going to refute that part. <laughs> Ouch. It was an experience. Yeah, it was fun. Um, and update, Nathan texted me within an hour of yeah. the oh, episode no. being alive. Same. He gave me four crying laughing emojis, though. Yeah, I was so. going to say, what was his response? He gave it? me cry laughing emojis, too. I'll read you what he wrote me. Yeah, well, I mean, he, yeah, I just, well, he I'm didn't glad text, that he found he it funny. He specifically didn't text me. So <laughs> well, why would he? That, that's true. <laughs> he said hostile takeover one, two, three, four, five laugh emoji with the cry of the teardrops. Mm -hmm. So I said, haha, that was so fast. Heard that one before. Yeah. And he <laughs> said, I checked the stats of Anchor and I saw the episode and I didn't know what the heck it was. And then he said he won't tell the other guys. I still haven't heard from the other guys. Yeah. And it's been live for days, several days now. Yeah. But so, anyways, that's been uh, Nick's Apology Corner. So you, total bullshit. Yeah. You get you choose which ones are fake. All of them, I think. Who knows? I do, I do want to just revisit the voicemail for a moment and just ask for some clarity on untraditional oral sex and the dugout. Am I in the dugout? I need help. The way that I would describe the dugout, yes. How would you describe the dugout? Not playing the game? Yeah. <laughs> Sitting on the bench? Yeah, watching other people do it. <laughs> maybe that was what it was. Oh, maybe. Oh, maybe that is what she said. That would make sense. It would. It would fit. Anyway, so we're going to jump into this episode. What is Dead May Never Die? What is Dead May Season Never Die? Season 2, uh, Episode 3. 
It was released on April the 15th of 2012. It was written by Brian Cogman, the Cogman. Yeah. And directed by Alik Shakarov. Yeah. Shakarov, something uh, like that. Some um, people say Alec. What did I say? Alik. I don't know which one it is, though. I'm pretty sure it's Alec. Oh, it's okay. spelled A L I K. Right. But I'm sure it's Alec. I could be wrong. Who knows? Who spells. Then why do you e- say Alik? Because <laughs> I'm reading paper and I've never heard oh, him yeah. pronounce his own name. So oh, okay. same. I, I If I'm going to fuck anything up in the world, it's names. Yes. 100% of the time. I would be a terrible teacher because I would. F- Have you ever seen that bit? I think it's a Key and Peel bit. Of course. Of this course. Cool. Seen substitute that bit. T- teacher. Um, that is funny for a different reason for me than it is for other people. Because that's it's you. Funny because that's exactly how I would do that shit. Um, so anyway, Alec, Alik, whatever. Alec, if, if you're listening, call in and tell us how to Alec, pronounce your name. If you're listening and I'm right, call in. If not, fuck yourself. Which we talked about no. this off air, but there were differences in the way that this was shot, this episode specifically, over the other ones. And he's a new director, I believe. Like not new, like he's not doesn't have experience. This but. is the first Game of Thrones episode that Alec Alik has directed. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, hopefully the was, last, so that I don't have to do this again. It was interesting seeing the differences in the way that it was directed and shot, and they actually mentioned that inside the episode that they did a good job of of you know having these different scenes that are non traditional to Game of Thrones that right. were cool from Cogman and the Cogman Sekrov. Um, do you remember how the last episode ended, Keith? Uh, the one we're about to talk about, or the no, last one, the one before this. No. Um, I don't know if I remember specifically either. Uh, John got whacked. John did get whacked. Yes. Yeah. And so we saw the blue eyes. We saw the blue eyes. Yeah, we saw white John dragon. Get we saw blue eyes, white dragon. Whacked. That's what brought up the Yu-Gi-Oh thing. Yes. Full circle, which led to Nick's Podge Corner. So this episode opens. Pretty quickly after that, uh, ended with um, us finding ourselves at Craster's Keep, and the Night's Watch is promptly being ushered out the door uh, at daybreak. You know? Yep. And so, um, Craster, I think this is probably to be expected, right? Yeah. Oh, for sure. I'm surprised he didn't kill him. That's what I was going to get into. I wanted to see, like, did that surprise you that he that he took John immediately to? Lord Commander Mormont and didn't like time up and I think a little bit I think the thing that was more disappointing is not the right word is they tried to explain why Crastor was allowed to be there and Lord Commander was just like he saved so many Rangers lives and it's like well you could do that just having a station here though like you don't need a dude and his 700 daughter wives yeah sister to be doing this just funneling you know just giving babies away to the white walkers right which you very clearly are against like that's your whole thing yeah do you think that mormont i mean we know that from what john john gathers from mormont we we kind of know that he knows that craster's doing something with the the kids right possibly even he he explains that those are his offerings do you think that Mormont knows who he's offering that the kids to? 
Do you think he knows that it's a White Walker? He didn't seem shocked by John's explanation of what he saw. Well, John didn't. Ex- John didn't know what he saw and didn't didn't know how to explain it. He said, "I saw what took it." Yeah, he didn't have words to describe. Well, yeah, but and then Mormont, Mormont was like, "You're going to see more of those." Mormont said, "I would dare to say you'd see it again." Yeah, yeah. So I I feel like he probably knows something or some sort of rumor. Yeah, because he didn't. He was like, "Wildling have wildlings have different." What was it like gods or whatever? Yeah. So like he didn't think it was a wildling. I don't think. No, no, but I mean, and he knows what's up there. But an offering could be like, if he knew it was an offering, it could be just like a you know bullshit gods like everybody else has in in Westeros. You know what I mean? Like right. It, but he knows that something takes it. Yeah. Or at least well, he insinuated. Yeah. Kind of that, that he there's was like see some more kind of, of manifestation of this god right. or gods that serve as a servant or the gods themselves or something's yeah. something's receiving the sacrifice differently you, than you know burning wooden you know statues on a beach it wasn't that uncommon like in old like in ancient times for them to leave a child out, out in the wild or you know leave it on the beach or drown or whatever that was a, that was a thing well yeah i mean the romans did that a lot but that was more like this baby won't Right, survive. right. Let's do this as a test. Slash. If you're asking my opinion, I am. I would venture to say that I do think that he knows. Okay. Interesting. Ma- maybe not specifically what it actually is, but I think that he probably connects the dots between the dead, the White Walkers, whatever they are in their minds, without knowing the full scope of what they are, because we don't eat either. Um, right, which they've gotten reports of, like, whether it's White Walkers or something going on out there in in north of the Wall land, they've gotten reports that something's something crazy is happening. Yeah. Not just people are gathering with Mance Raider, but like, you know, the stuff that that the deserter in in Episode One, uh, you know, reported or, or heard or whatever they heard from. Um, and like then other reports. Dead people attacking him. Right, exactly. So, yeah, maybe, I mean, he he definitely could. It, he didn't seem super surprised mm-hmm. when John brought that up. I think that John, I think they they move this story along a little bit quicker than probably would actually happen in that scenario. Like, Mormont just didn't have anything to say, mm-hmm. and then three seconds later, John connected dots that, like, that means you know. Um, so I was left wanting a little bit in that regard. Like I I wish that there had been more of a reveal and I understand that they are tight on time and they fit so much into these episodes, but I think that was one thing for me. We understand that more than most. (laughs) Yeah. I think that was one thing for me, like that, and it's a little, it's not a major thing. It's a little thing, but it's one of those things where this is seemingly a big story and I feel like they cheat. They cut a corner. They cheated a little bit and just like jumped us that next step without like earning it. If that makes sense, right? Yeah. Um, but all in all, I mean, the takeaway is that Lord Commander Mormont knows something horrible is happening. Yeah, and he takes the good with the bad with Craster. Is basically what we found out is that you know it does whatever he does with his kids or or beyond the wall. It doesn't matter as long as my guys are safe which they're safe when they stay here. 
Yeah, and that theoretically kind of what you're saying, like, aren't there other options? And basically, what he's doing is he's choosing to not get involved in the politics or scenario of something that they're not in control of. Mm-hmm. And I think that, like, ethically, that's unjust and I think probably immoral. If you know that that's happening, that doesn't seem like a an excuse that would fly. Right. And I mean, to Sam's point in the last episode, like, they're, I'm probably misremembering exactly the words, but, like, they're responsible for protecting people. Right. It's the vows they take. Yeah. And so, like, this seems the most needy of protection is the children being left out for some sort of weird monster god. But is in Mormont's it? idea, it's the rangers that need to need a place to stay. So, yeah, it just seems like one of those scenarios that the existing system doesn't mean it's the right system. Yeah. But they turn a blind eye to it because it's difficult to try to to uproot a, a deeply rooted system. I mean, Craster even talks about like my roots are my roots are so yeah. deep. And um Well, leadership is hard when you have when you're faced with situations like that and and difficult decisions of okay, do we fuck this guy up who's fucking people up or do we allow him to do that because it's it's his son or his yeah his sons so who are we to tell him how to worship or tell him how to you know do whatever now if mormont knows doesn't know that that's white walkers that he's giving his babies to um but you know do we allow him to do what he wants to do with his kids you know it, it leadership's hard sometimes yeah and this takes us to uh, the D&D political corner. No. <laughs> I was going to say, and luckily there's nothing we can compare this to. I know. I was days. trying really Next hard season. not nothing, to go into nothing that. Nothing in the world to relate it to. I was trying really hard not I to I mean, that. I'm not going to get into it, but it is a conversation that is relevant today and has been relevant our most of our entire lives, you know, and it's one of those things where... I heard somebody say recently about specifically the scenario in Afghanistan. I mean, we're talking about Afghanistan, right? Right. And oh, I was just going to talk about the police. I forgot who it was. <laughs> the band? Yep. It was. It, it was a politician. It was someone who's like run on like third party ticket before, and he wrote this really interesting article about like this is. And I've said it before. Like sometimes I feel like we flex our muscles a little bit in situations where I don't know that we should, but his, his article was basically saying like there really isn't a winner or loser. It's just a decision that was made at a time when it was pretty supported and you look back and you learn. I you saw someone, to. I don't know if this was, I don't think it was the same article. I saw someone tie it back to the situation in the seventies in Vietnam, Vietnam, I've seen. Yeah. yeah. Um, which I think is an interesting tie. Um, it was another one where, I mean, th- that could get, we could get really deep. Into yeah. That. We're not going to, but <laughs> we'll save it for the podcast because <laughs> there's a lot of, there's a lot of scenarios where you take action when it's beneficial to you and you, you choose to be inactive when that's beneficial to you. And we've seen that in real life. You know, Afghanistan was something that we had vested interest in the success of that country. Vietnam was another one. But then we have vested interest in 
other countries continuing to do what they do, even if there's some shady shit going on. And so we choose to turn an eye to it. Similarly, Craster is one of those like, and this is kind of what Mormont's saying, like the, we have benefited from his existence in a way that I don't know what we would have done without him. And so we kind of tolerate the evil about now I'm not, I'm not advocating that that's the right move. That's just his justification of it. Right. Which is back to my point. Leadership is hard. It is. Yeah. Somebody's got to make that call. And I'm just really glad it's not me. I am too. And to get back to the original point, everyone else should be glad it's not me too. Yeah. To get back to the original point, I'm, I'm shocked that all that John got was a one hit in the face and then yeah, kind of let go. Craster probably knows that like, he probably you, shouldn't kill him. Yeah, if you were to kill someone, like they, you have fifty to a hundred, you know, Night's Watch men that are at your house right now. Like you can't, you can't exactly uh, take his life, are, but that are putting up with you. Right. Yeah. Right. But it's one of those things where he kind of knows he's got something they need. Yeah, but I mean, I. I I not knowing the whole situation, you could kill him and just take like Sam and put him there and be like, "All right, you're in charge of this place now." Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's crap, another one yeah. of those things. Like, you don't know how Sam the, would take that too. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah you don't. You, it's it's hard because it's one of those things where you don't know how the dominoes fall when if you make a decision like that. Right. You just have theories and hopes, and you you make a decision and and roll with it and see how it plays out. Because there's no guarantee that Sam or any insert any brother of the Night's Watch into that scenario, insert into get it. Um, Broadcast. <laughs> there's no guarantee that that they're gonna experience the situational success that the Night's Watch has experienced with having Crasser there, and yeah. so they choose to be inactive in it and just turn a blind eye and and let it be. So anyway, it was just interesting. The reveal, fucking Game of Thrones, man, dude. Nine years later, and it's culturally culturally relevant. Yeah, and That's a hard word to say would have been relevant. Would have been back, like you said, in the seventies, because yeah. th- you know. So it's one of those things where I think it's just a people thing, and I think that you know the writers did a good job of. I know they weren't intentionally trying drawing to, lines to Afghanistan, right? But it's, or the police, it's just a or the police, the band. It's just interesting that 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 is something that we can connect it to, um, and and kind of like think about real life. I like when shows do that. I like when there's a tie. I love fantasy and I love all that stuff, but I also love when it makes you think about like real stuff. Well, that's that's a cool part about fantasy is that they do do that. Most of the fantasy authors do have some sort of like overarching morality theme. Harry Potter has it. Lord of the Rings has it. Obviously, Game of Thrones has some of it. Um, they do do that. So it, it's cool. Yeah. Um, anyway, so we get that. Mormont seemed to, um, you know, he, he didn't really give it to John because I think he, he realized in that moment, like. Well, yeah. he knows, it, but he did tell, like, you shouldn't have been out there. Like, right. you, you shouldn't be doing that shit. Yeah. Just going and looking for, he's just going and looking for trouble. Yeah, but he kind of let it be when John, like, freaked out a little bit. And I think he knows, like, uh, there's nothing I can really say here because yeah, it's a White Walker. We are kind of fucked up. <laughs> yeah. Well, and like you didn't do a bad thing necessarily. Like the reason for what you did was like you're trying to figure out what's going on with this baby, right? Like how dare you try to protect a baby? I'm angry at you for that. Yeah, like that's a hard. 
Yeah, fuck leadership. you, John. Yeah, that's a hard leadership uh, move. Yeah, it's a hard hard uh, stance to, right. to back up. Let that baby die. Let that baby die. Fuck that baby. Um, I'll apologize for that next week. Um, or I'll let Nick do it for me. Um, so so then we're still at Craster's Keep, but we see the um, you know, emotional goodbye of Sam and Gilly. Sam and Gilly. Yep. Um, with a thimble. Is that what that is? That like a is, glass yeah. thimble. Some kind of. I think it's probably like porcelain or yeah, mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah. Ivory. Have elephants? Are there elephants in Westeros? That's a rhetorical question that the answer to is. Don't no. spoil it. I mean, I don't. I don't know. I've, we haven't seen one. And we haven't really seen one like anywhere in Westeros where they would seemingly thrive, like environmentally. Um, so who knows? But so far, no elephants, but there is some kind of symbol uh, or thimble. thimble? That's a symbol. Yeah. It's symbolic of. It's a symbolic symbol. Yeah. It's a symbol. It's a symbol. Did you, I mean, what do you, obviously they're saying goodbye, but they've, the show has, has lit a small fire in the romantic story of these two. Mm-hmm. Do you have, what are your predictions? I'm not going to ask if you have any, I'm going to ask you what they are. Um, I believe, well, so I thought the scene was weird, mostly from like agreeing with Gilly of just like, why are you giving this to me if it's your mother's? Um, but yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that they meet up again. Yeah, and Sam Sam, uh, Sam gets to see a girl walking towards him. We did. I was gonna say we did talk about last episode that Sam seems like somebody that that uh, falls hard. You know. Do you think so? Here's my question. Mm-hmm. They're leaving. Yep. You think Sam's leaving? Yes. And you think they're gonna meet again down they, the road when they come back? Maybe. Okay. If he's still alive from whatever they're about to do. That's. Because Sam seems like a character you could kill off. <laughs> Sam seems... We know there's at least one White Walker and one baby that they're going to have to fight. Yep. And I don't feel like Sam could hold his own against even the baby. <laughs> either one. <laughs> um, like an undead baby or a regular baby? Either. Wow. I just don't think that Sam's got it in him. Because I think he would look at the baby, dead or undead, mm. and not be able to hurt it regardless of the situation. And then I think that the white Walker would absolutely fuck him up. This white Walker is basically Dwight Schrute when he says that he had a twin in the womb that Correct. that he, he absorbed. So now he has the power of a full grown man and a baby. Yeah. That's the white Walker here. Wow. And, uh, that's Sam does stand chance. So are you predicting the loss of Sam or you're predicting Sam's triumph over the white walkers? No, I'm, I am hoping Sam does not encounter White Walkers because if he does, I am predicting he will not survive that encounter. <laughs> okay. That's so really not a hot take. <laughs> unless he falls off a horse and like and, Tyrion uh, completely misses the fight. Yeah, takes a uh like takes a pot to the head yeah. and yeah. We can only hope for yeah. Sam's sake. But yes. if nothing happens, I am going to predict that when they are making their way back, Sam stops by and uh And what? Grabs Gilly, takes her with him, picks okay. a flower. You think he takes her with with him back to the wall? Maybe. Okay. Maybe he leaves the wall. You okay. You heard it here first. Yeah. Sam's gonna leave. You think Sam, of all the characters we've met so far, think, is gonna forsake his vows? I think he does if he finds somebody who like likes like, him if back. He, if he finds love. Yeah. Okay. So love conquers all. Very like, love conquers Sam. Very okay. like bachelor esque of you. 
He finds love. Look, you know what? I'm not going to say North I don't know wall. about predictions anymore, so we're just going to go down the train. Yeah, man, I like I it. Like, I like Here's that. the answer. Yeah. and Because I know that your answer wanted to be, I don't know. Yep. But we got pretty far with that, and I appreciate it. I'm trying. So you heard it here first. This is the podcast, guys. This is the podcast. Um, so a- after that extended stay in Craster's Keep, <laughs> we are headed to Winterfell for a brief scene where um, Bran is having a dream or I guess that that's probably what they're showing us is because he then explains right afterwards, like these dreams he's been having and it seems to fit. Well, there's, yeah, there's the panting. You hear the panting. You clearly are seeing the world from summer's perspective. Cause then when brain wakes up, summer's just like right on top of him and all that. Yeah. So wait, so you are saying or thinking that, what we saw of Summer showing up to Bran was Bran dreaming that he was Summer. I just think that the way that they shot it was, was it matched the scene from two episodes ago, right? Where he dreaming in the with the wolf, or in the remember because he then went back to the place right. where the wolf dream happened and was looking for and, whatever he was looking for right. as a wolf. Yeah, so I just, it was the same type of camera work. So I would. It's okay. funny that it wasn't like grayed out like it was. Yeah. Then. Yeah. See, I thought it was just showing like this wolf is waking brain up, but like that's I think a cool that I, thing to think about. I think I just made that connection because he then immediately talked about. Yeah, I think like, they're trying yeah, to make wolf that connection. Vision. Yeah. All right. So. I like that. What do you think? Do you think that there's significance to these like dreams he's having? I think potentially. Um, I, you know, obviously Game of Thrones likes to trick me specifically, um, <laughs> but I liked this scene, and I hope it was this. This will really get Keith. Yeah, <laughs> when Keith. He, when he watches this ten years in the future, he'll really, man, we'll get him. Um, I really like, and I hate that I can't remember his name because I don't remember anyone's name. Uh, the Older guy who's it, like Maester Lewin. Yes, I love that he was like. This shows that I studied the mysteries and tried yeah. to do spells and didn't. And I was like, oh hey, cool, a little bit more magic talk. Yeah, I'm yeah. appreciative of that. And I think he says that only one Maester in a hundred has that chain yeah. on his chain. It's like a Boy Scout badge, I guess, kind yeah. of thing. Sure. Yeah, but how it's like Valerian steel. Or I guess a degree and, almost. Yeah, it just shows that like I studied the mysteries and of course as studying the mystery person I tried to do spells and didn't do anything but yeah. my conclusion hey. was that it's bullshit. Isn't it cool though that like even this even these people that were uh I mean he explains it there so he says like just like every little boy like wanting to you know take themselves out of their boring life and you know think that they're special or you know just whatever. Just like every little Sam Right, wants to be well, a wizard. Yeah, exactly. And we all like. I mean, you, you read Harry Potter. You watch Harry Potter. You, you, you know, Yu Gi Oh and Pokemon. No, I was not Dragon allowed to participate in any of those things. I did. Yeah, we we could do a whole podcast on your childhood, and it would be riveting. But uh, actually, it'd be pretty quick. <laughs> Justin can't do anything. I. But this I, is what he did anyway. And now you end up being this human. Yeah, <laughs> my mom would be so disappointed. Um. She is. I was going to say. She's alive. She is. <laughs> I was thoroughly, not going to say this. Thoroughly disappointed in me. Hey, I love you. Thank you. Um, just on a quick Harry Potter note, because we got to do it. We're yeah. here. I absolutely read Harry Potter, though I was explicitly told not to. And what I did was I would read it at night, like after I'd gone to bed. And uh, I got busted because my mom, for whatever reason, one day was like, inspecting my room or something and looked under the pillow and found the book. If you're a parent there. and you trust your child a lot of a son, don't inspect his room. Trust me. There's nothing you want to, there's nothing 
that you is going to good come out of that. Just want to throw that out there. Well, the thing that I got busted for was not anything other than reading Harry Potter. Yeah, it's a good right. thing she didn't look in your sock drawer. Uh, that wasn't that wasn't no an issue. You're millennial. You have you had it on your phone. <laughs> I did. Get, what was that noise? That was my oh. indigestion. Wow. <laughs> Sorry for calling it out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I uh, yeah, we don't have to go. Into yeah, that, yeah, that's okay. Perfect. Um, I do. Should we get some Harry Potter th- music that we play every now and then for I when we go we into should. the Harry Potter corner? Yeah, I think we should. Under the stairs with Harry Potter. We can't. Yeah. Ooh, that's a good podcast title. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna start a Harry Potter podcast. That's fine. Can dibs. We, I call dibs on that can name. Can we be on it? Uh, periodically. Okay. <laughs> Ouch. Um, just kidding. I got you in Harry Potter. Uh, sort of. Do you know our deal? Do you remember our deal? No. Our deal was that I would watch Game of Thrones if you read Harry Potter. Oh, okay. That was our deal back, and you read Harry Potter before. Yeah. Before I ever started Game of Thrones, but I but I already liked. I already seen the movies. I liked Harry Potter. I just never read the books because, as I said, Keith, I am not a reader, um, so I never read the books. But I saw the movies growing up and and liked them a lot. Saw them multiple times. That's why reading the books, I was like, God, these are better. You know. I don't all I I do often think that books are better, but I don't always. However, without question, the books are better than the movies with Harry Potter by yeah. far. I think yeah. honestly, I think that Game of Thrones, the show, is more enjoyable than reading the books. Probably that was what I mean. Yeah, after reading the books, I was a little surprised that it had so much had as much popularity as it did. Because um, well, when the show came, when the show was out. All you had was fucking book people on the internet or wherever saying like, oh, yeah, you guys don't know because, you know, you know, whatever. And after reading them, I was like, why did you guys even read five of these? You know, uh, I just didn't really. It's cool, um, but it's so much. Yeah. And not it's not super. No, he writes riveting difficult. He writes read. difficult. Lee. He writes difficult. Lee to read. <laughs> and you speak difficult. Lead to Lee understand. To understand. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, that was Keith's predictions on Sam and Gilly, which I appreciate. Thanks for participating. Oh, no, we're back to Brandon and the Wolves. So so obviously it was a brief scene, but you think that there's significance? I, I mean, for me, I liked it that we acknowledged some magic. You know, okay. It's a little sad that we acknowledge that he didn't have magic. Yeah, but it's not telling me there is no magic. It's te- it's it's acknowledging people's belief in it at yeah. least. I mean, we've seen we have seen Danny walk through fire. Yep. So we know something like that happens, and we have heard about dragons. We've seen which, dragons. Dragons are magic. Well, and yeah, we've seen dragon pups. I mean, they've heard about dragons, but like we've seen tiny Wervins. I think and- Lewin. I think Lewin uh, acknowledges there that, that at one point. Magic did exist in this world, but clear. Did you say but that maybe it it existed like way back, or was he like it yeah. existed way back? Well, I think it's a little bit of both. I think he like he talks about. Um, I think he specifically says the dragons are gone. Something else is gone. Oh, the giants are dead. Dragons are gone. Giants, giants are, are dead. dead, and the children of the forest forgotten. Now we don't know what we know what giants are. We don't, we don't know what the third one is. But you know, all of that to say. I think he's acknowledging that 
those things did exist at one point, mm-hmm. um, but they're not there anymore. Um, you know, but either way, I think that it's it's interesting to me in that scene that Bran acknowledges also that Rickon had the same dream about Ned. So he's he's almost sort of like rationalizing and justifying it. Like, no, 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 Rickon had the same thing. Right. So, yeah, all that to say. Justin's favorite character, Rickon. We, we actually got that before, though, the acknowledgement of Rickon's experience when Asha and Bran went down to the crib. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I know. I'm just yeah, saying no, he's like just Bran saying, reminding that. It, yeah, yeah. It was a, like a second acknowledgement that somebody else, again, not just me. I'm not just a weird kid, though. Though I am a weird kid. Though I am a weird kid. Um, but not as weird as Rickon. Not as weird as Rickon, probably. Yeah, definitely not as weird as Rickon's. Rickon something um yeah so so that uh, quick scene that we spent a lot of time on as nor as per <laughs> usual uh but then we find ourselves in the stormlands and did you immediately know who the person the character we already have met was fighting like did you know who that was loris mm, no obviously they show him like after when he takes it you know but i didn't know if marjorie screams out loris right i didn't know if you caught that until the helmet came off and he was scoffing at, at Captain Phasma and all that shit. Did you connect those dots that Brienne is Captain Phasma in the new... I did not connect those dots. That's the actress who plays... Well, that's fun. Yeah. So she's a a large woman. Yes. Like very Very big. tall. Very tall. Not big like wide, but big. It's cool tall. that they didn't just like... So a lot of times in those roles... TV shows and movies will just take that person and almost like CGI them bigger or or shoot it in a way that shows them as as bigger or taller but she's actually a humongous human. Yeah, she's she's giant. My favorite scene of that type that you're referring to where they kind of trick you with camera work is Elf. I watched um movies that made us, I think it was called, yeah, the series on yeah. Netflix. And they do one on Elf, and they they talk about some of the scenes that they shot, and specifically the scenes with Buddy in the North Pole, uh, when he's in school, and yeah. then when he's riding on the on the tricycle and in the shower. His dad, and and in the sh- yeah. So all of those were like camera tricks where they basically they shot those scenes with. His like the desk scene, for instance. His desk is not in line with the other ones, though it looks that way because of the camera work. It's actually further away. There's separation there, and the camera's close on him, and it makes it look like everyone else is really small, right. though they're regular sized people. Well, have so you that's seen the saying. behind the scenes with like the Lord of the Rings trilogy? No films. I don't think so. Yeah, so they have like they move the whole room with the camera, so like as they're going around the table when like Gandalf and uh, Bilbo are sitting there, like the whole room is also rotating and the table is split. I have seen, I've seen the talk about the split table before when he specifically, when he's in the Shire, when he's in uh, bag end Mm -hmm. and he hits his head on the, on the thing. Like I've seen that scene talked about before. It's really interesting how they do that because even when they explain it, I still have no idea how the fuck they do it. So in the books, she's Brienne. Brienne is is huge. Yeah, and so, but they just went out and found an actress or actor that that fit that. Who, by the way, great actress. Yeah. Um. So I like that they. I like that they got someone who could act. I didn't. I don't like that. I agree with that so quickly. I. 
think she's above average, but eh. I give her Do you a not C plus. Care for the character, or you think that she is a bad actress? Because those are two different things. Yeah, I've seen the whole show. We'll just move on. Okay. All right. So have so I have met his wife's brother before. Yeah. So back at the Kings tournament, when the mountain Gregor Clegane is right. jousting that guy. The Knight of Flowers and the whole horse thing with right. the the uh, horse that was in heat, that is Loris, the guy that. So the Knight of Flowers is Loris. Is Loris, yes. yeah. Oh, I thought they were two different people. Same guy. In fact, if you get a close look at his armor, even when he's battling Brienne, he's got really elegant armor. He just didn't have like the fire fit shiny stuff that he. Had. Yeah, it's, no. it's a different set of armor. This seems to be maybe a. Less of a show more armor and more real. of an actual armor. Yeah, well, because a melee would be that stuff would get in the way. It would be you know be a little bit different. Well, right? and they're preparing for war, you know. So yeah. seemingly, at least. Yeah, but you. So you've met now. You're remembering Loras. Okay. And, yeah. yeah. I thought it was a completely different person, but yeah. I mean, I remember. No, but and you recognize Rinley, right? Too. I mean, it's been no, no, a while. I, I recognize Rinley. I just thought okay. he found another dude, or he's a that's little yeah. That's or the same. That's the same guy. But now all of this. Put together about how his father would blah blah blah, and then right. they talk about him needing the support of his wife's father and family and all that. That's his boy toy. Hey, it all makes sense now. And his boy toy, we learn, is the brother of his wife. The brother of his wife. It's his brother-in-law. He's who, fucking his brother-in-law. A very who, attractive family. Lauren explains yeah. what a what an understanding wife. When we see that, when scene we get later. there. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, so since we're talking about Renly and Marjorie. Uh, we have a, our first fire fit couple of the week. Mm. Um, the scene where they're, when we first meet Marjorie, yeah. uh, and, and obviously here in a second, Kat's, Kat's going to address them and, uh, they looked awesome. Rinley's yes. armor or, uh, I'm sorry. Um, Rinley's get up. Yeah. Rinley's the crown whole, was cool. The crown fit his head. First of all, unlike Joffrey. Right. And it still had like the Baratheon antlers. Still had the stag look. Um, he, What's interesting is that Marjorie wasn't dressed for the occasion, seemingly. Uh, it it had the vibe to me that that's a cold place. Not cold like snowy winter, but cold like you're by the ocean and it's very windy. Like, for mm. instance, when I was in Ireland, there were places like this by the sea that were super windy and it was cold because of the wind. Right. And she's just not dressed for that. It's Maybe like if you've was... ever been to San Francisco, like... I have not. You've, you got to have layers. like you Because it, it could be hot if it's not windy and not foggy, but then if it, if the fog rolls in. Right. Or and, if you go behind a building or something and yeah. you're in that shadow and you're like, ooh, it's, it got cold. It's like super cold. Um, so yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying, though. You look a little overcast. She's not, and, but maybe yeah. she was born there. Maybe she's born with it. Maybe. Maybe she's born there and born with it. Maybe it's Maybelline. They look <laughs> they look good individually, but because... <laughs> Thank you, Nick. Because they're just a, caught me off guard. I yeah, I, I it was good. I wasn't dissing it. I have the hiccups. Um, it's perfect for a podcast. <laughs> I always have something going on. Um, my body's breaking on me. Yeah, I wish it would just finish. You don't the take job. care of it well. I wish it would just finish the job. <laughs> I'm trying to get it a breakdown. Um, <laughs> so I just they they win the award because as a couple. They looked they yeah. looked hot. Hashtag yeah. power couple for sure. Yeah, they look good. Um I do the only beef I have is that it doesn't seem that Marjorie's prepared for the scenario, but 
she looked great. So not complaining about it. And then Rinley Rinley had a really good look. Yeah. Um I love how Rinley responds to Catelyn uh and responds to that whole ordeal. So Catelyn comes in, is coming in and all, not really guns blazing until Loras like talks shit. Loras talks shit from behind and says, you know, uh if your if your son wants to pack with us, then he should, you know, come himself instead of hiding behind his mother's skirts. And she just kind of like, you know what? I wasn't talking to you, motherfucker. And go fuck yourself. She, well, she says exactly son, what she said. My son is fighting a war, not, not playing, playing a one. Playing I a one, right. That. And my favorite part of that whole thing was Rinley's yeah. smirk. Yeah. Rinley smirks and Rinley, like Joffrey would have her killed right there. Yeah. Stannis would fuck her up as well. Yeah. And so like Rinley just takes it, says this is someone who is just expressing their emotion and was and was baited into that. Correct. I think that that's more than anything. He understands that she wouldn't have said that had she not been, right. like you said, baited. Right. And really just calmly steps down from his platform and says, don't worry, Lady Stark, my war has just begun or you know, the fighting has just begun or whatever. Um, just to really our, our war. It's just don't beginning. worry, my lady. Our war is just beginning. Is his quote? Yeah. So, like, just the way he handles that, um, and then from there, they're walking up the path to you know her tent or his tent or wherever, and he grabs that guy to the side and says, "You know, Gerard, how, how's your foot?" Just a random guy with a horse, and uh, he says, "Oh, it's it's much better." They don't know their own size. Talking about a horse probably stepped on his foot, but these are the things that really make me even though he has absolutely no claim to the throne to me, it makes me want to back Renly because yeah. I think he would, he would be a good King. Loris was right that he he's, he's calm. He's thoughtful. He cares about people. He's compassionate. Well, yeah. and Rob needs a new friend now that Theon's doing whatever Theon's about to do. So that's true. They, that's they true. could be friends and pal around and be Kings together. <laughs> what one thing that I thought was interesting that we kind of glossed over a second ago, but um, you know, Catelyn came in with a lot of skepticism about Renly. Uh, she wasn't thrilled to be sent on this errand when Rob, you know, told her this is the next part of her journey, but she did it. And like you said, she definitely came in with, uh, some skepticism, but I think she was received well. Uh, I think Renly did a good job of honoring her. You know, he, when Brienne steps up and, and says, it's your grace. Um, and then you should bow, you know, speaking of like, you should, you should bow, you know, and, and kneel before the King and and Rinley's response is she's an honored guest at this place. Like, no, you don't have to do that. And anytime somebody, you know, Joffrey, Joffrey's going to tell everybody in the world that he's the king, right? Even though we all know it, like, and that never sits well with me. I like a character who Rinley's only a king to his hundred thousand. That's the only people so far that that respect that. But ultimately, it does make me want to support his claim because so far he's the first person who seems to be humble about it um, and w- willing to do it kind of because the people need him to do it. You know, I know he was kind of talked into it by Loris, but ultimately he does seem to have compassion. I mean, what King is going to stop and talk to one of the common soldiers, especially an injured one. And he took the time to, to stop his conversation with cat where they're talking strategy and they're talking the future and address that guy, and and I agree with you. It makes me feel like I, I like to support. Yeah, Rinley. and Cat almost Cat continues to bring it on too, saying like, uh, you know, I I pity these guys, I pity these soldiers, I pity these people in this camp because it won't last. These are the nights of summer, and winter is coming, and so she just continues to 
play hardball a little bit, and Rinley just okay. You know, he, you can he, have your opinions. Yeah, yeah. And well, and it graciously, graciously ends that conversation, um, and in a way that I thought like it didn't put her down, it didn't demean her, it didn't even correct her. It just kind of like let her have her thoughts and I'm going to try to do the best I can and, and we'll see what happens. Yeah. But well, and not to compare him to Cersei necessarily, but like he and Cersei both, like they don't tell people like, Hey, I'm in charge. They just are. And you know that they are because of the they, way that they carry themselves and yeah. they have power and they know it and they right. know what's going on. Also to your point about the Knights of summer, I just thought about it currently when I heard the line, I thought she was saying these people are the Knights of summer in winter are coming but you are saying these are the nights n-i-g-h-t-s of summer and winter is coming i so, see yeah they they are the k-n-i-g-h-t-s right of and, summer. and so they will have a hard time right in winter because we've we've heard the nights of summer. she's describing them as so summer nights being ones that are playing in or t- in tournaments and are you know are yes. are playing at war like she said but but when push comes to shove are they they're going to have a rude awakening going through actual war, which is what she just came from, which was a uh, an army that was beat down and battered and still having to to show up on a daily basis and and put camp up and take camp down and and move through tough terrain and and then you know all of a sudden, okay, we got a battle tomorrow or or right now. Um she yeah, she was saying it's it's not gonna last. I pity these guys because they don't understand right what I've just been in. Well we've heard conversations several different times throughout the show about the concept of winter and summer mm-hmm. and how you know people who have never experienced winter you know this is the longest summer in living memory is said by somebody at some table somewhere yeah um and there's this there's this distinction drawn about what that means and it's basically that it's ba- i mean in addition to the summer winter you know analogy we've also all of these young guys fighting with and for Renly haven't really ever even experienced like you're saying any of the I mean they weren't alive for Robert's Rebellion or if they were they were very very young um, and so they don't even remember political turmoil really or any of that and it's all coming to a head now in addition to those things winter the 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 time in the world is is also coming and so it's just like a it's a perfect storm of challenge and cat see obviously doesn't seem to think that they're up to it yeah and renly backs his guys and i i like that so moving from there uh does it renly go into loris's tent uh not yet okay. not yet we we're at the iron islands Oh, um, man. we get uh, Theon and Yara back with this garbage family. Yep, his piece of shit family. Really? Um, For I mean, like trash. Yeah, they are. This is not. Go for it. Indicative of Do all it. people who live in certain parts of this below country. the Mason Dixon line. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but they are the trailer trash of Westeros. I yeah, mean, I mean, Pike is a shit castle. It's a shit castle. It's shit people. It's 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 ignorance. It's a lot of the things that I, as someone who grew up in that environment and world, uh, connect a lot of dots to, <laughs> and that's what they remind me of. They remind me of 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 trailer trash. Again, trailers aren't bad. 
but it's it's the it's the people in the, tra- the people in the trailer <laughs> sometimes just, many okay. many times there i'll i get the yeah next week on uh, nick's apology corner i'm gonna have to insert an apology corner too apparently you can insert whatever you want can i we'll talk anything anything it's the podcast anywhere um, so Look we got could... dug out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm coming you're, off the bench. I'm, I'm in the game, baby. Um, so they just had a funny little moment where Theon is obviously still, he's frustrated about everything, but he's definitely still, but he's not wrong. Well, the, the first part he's is where wrong. he's shitting on Yara. Like, Oh, you, you looked like a fat little you boy. You lied to me. Yeah. Like, how was I supposed to recognize you? Last time I saw you, you looked like a. And he pauses and she goes, like, you know, non verbally. Basically, like, say go it. ahead. Go for it. <laughs> you look like a fat little a boy. A fat little boy. And he's so, like, exclamatory with and that. And this statement. is where. So I said this last episode. This is where she says, I wanted to see who you were first before I told you who I was. Um, and and you showed me who you and were. You showed me, yeah. Uh, um, to be to clarify, that is not the part where I was saying he's not wrong. It was the the outburst to his father. Yeah, which which that was we, good. Then we get into so then uh, Balon's talking about we're gonna reeve and pillage like we're gonna he he again goes into we do not sow we take what is ours. Um, he's building this whole like basically and he's the, watching how Theon reacts. Yeah, he's watching. He's it's it's almost like he's trying to to poke him to see if he can handle it. Right. It's kind of the vibe you get. Whose side are you on? But it it is done in a way that is manipulative and yeah, shitty. It's um, but he's talking about we're gonna reeve, we're gonna pillage, we're gonna we're gonna do what we do. All very shitty things, by the way. And he's like, I'm I'm gonna lay out my battle plans. And so he tells Yara, you're gonna take thirty ships and you're gonna go to Deepwood Mott, right? Deepwood Mott, yeah. Um, and then <laughs> Theon's like, and what's my place in all this? You're gonna get one ship. You'll take a ship named the Sea Bitch. The Sea Bitch. We thought it'd be perfect for you. <laughs> <laughs> Yara, Yara has established Yara's herself. Yara's so as, good, man. I feel like I would like to see, hopefully down the road, Yara and Tyrion go, go at, at it. it a little bit. Mm. Um, and they probably would too. They they would, yeah, in several ways. Yep. Um, but I I just I like I I like it because. I'm obviously I've made it known that I'm not the biggest Theon fan and we're seeing much of why. Um, I like that he's having a hard time of it. <laughs> like I don't want it to be easy for him. However, I also hate the people who are giving him a hard time. So it's hard to find joy in it, but ultimately I think that I'll I'll find a way. I don't think Yara's giving him nearly the hard time that that Balon is. Now I think her suspicions are justified in that look. You're my brother. I love you. I'm glad you're here, but you need but but you need to pick a side and do it quickly. Um she you know, she has the the sister playful banter, but I don't think she has this the same contempt that Balon has. I think I think the line that was telling for me was the line that you mentioned a minute ago about I wanted to see who you were and you showed me. I think that that was really telling of like where she's at. She obviously was young when Theon left. Maybe has heard uh, outside opinions about Theon and his adventures with the Starks, but ultimately grew up with Balon's take on Theon, which we're led to believe probably wasn't a great one. Like if Theon wasn't 
I would imagine talked about in high regard around there, um, based on what we've seen so far. And so she, I kind of like it because it seems like she was kind of experiencing him trying to have an open mind and wanting to see are the things that I've heard true about you or not. And you're showing me that they are. And so, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not really the biggest fan either of you. Yeah. So I'm saying that he's been on horseback for nine years or whatever, like, okay. So you haven't been on the ship for nine years. Right. And that's their whole thing. Probably shouldn't be on the ship now. Yeah. Why, why do you expect, you know, it's very, I mean, Balon did it for her in the last episode where he talked about like, she's a proven warrior. She's been on the sea for basically anytime she's ever left this, you know, spend a night away from this Island. She's been on the, on the sea and she's commanded men and she, she's proven herself and you, you're, you're the new guy basically. Um, so then we get into the the scene that uh, you kind of were talking about with him not being wrong, where Theon is now, he's moved on from the battle plans and he's trying to figure out what the hell's going on relationally. And he talks about, I thought it was a really interesting tie that he makes uh, with the the dog. You, you, you know, you gave mm-hmm. me away like a dog you didn't want. And, uh, and you cursed me because I've come home. And that was a, it is a an emotionally moving scene, except for the fact that Balon's just standing there. A little bit late. Well, for me, well, he smacks the shit out of him at first, and he then does. yeah, and then Theon continues it as he's walking away, and he stops, and he hears it, and he doesn't acknowledge, and just walks. Well, off. there there was a look on his face of like of I think understanding what Theon's trying to say. Now, whether or not he cares cares is a different story, but there was a, when he stopped at first, he was still stone faced and that's when Theon said, uh, and now you've cursed me because I've come home. And there was an interesting look that came over, um, Balon's face of like, yeah, you're kind of right. But I think it was like, so I read it as you're right. That is how I feel. That's, that's exactly how I feel. And that's what I'm. Why I'm doing what I'm doing and saying what I'm saying is because that's how I feel. You, you're basically not a son to me anymore because I haven't. They they had you longer than I had you. Uh, I don't know who you are. I've had Yara that I've I've poured into, and yeah, you you just that's how I feel. Um, now it's interesting that he gets called out, and and there is a little right right at the beginning of that, uh, of that conversation that Theon's having on his side of it there's something that clicks in him. Theon almost says like, okay, you know what? I'm fucking doing this. Like you, I wasn't my choice. You gave me away. You gave me away when you lost and my other brothers died. You gave me away your last boy. And now you're, now you're mad at me because I came home. And like, so he, he like, he's been holding this in clearly for probably his whole life. Um, and you know, this is him opening it up. Yeah. Well, and I think I talked about it last episode, but like, Balon's like whole thing just seems weird to me. Like he just keeps talking about like, oh, I'm going to take the pay the iron price. But it's like you lost and like we're given your castle and everything. Like they probably should have killed you. They beat you back to where you came from. And right. then and then, and then left made that you give your son to them. And now you're just like, oh, I'm going to show them everything by yeah. like sneaking in the back while they're doing other things. They they have not held anything back with showing that Balon is sleazy as fuck. Yeah. Um, very unlikable person. 
But everyone in this scene is relatively unlikable. Yara, the the least unlikable of all of them, right. I, in, in my opinion. As of right now, for me, yeah. yeah. I mean, and I think you're starting they the, to feel bad for Theon a little bit. Right. Yeah, I was going to say, they do the Game of Thrones things where you're like, oh, I don't like Theon, but like, you know, yeah, yeah, his life was kind of crappy, and I get that. And right. I like I like Balon less. <laughs> like, that's... Right. They're like, here's a bunch of shitty characters... Here's an even shittier one. Here's someone even worse. Right. Yeah. He made you know? one of them bad and cool. Yeah. Everyone sucks. It's a good scene. So then we make our way over to King's Landing where we're going to hang out for a while. Uh, we we get uh, an extended stay in King's Landing where we see several things happen. The first is Tyrion and Shay. And my note here is that Shay is crazy. She is a little crazy, man. That's one of the reasons why she's not one of my favorite characters. I think that's kind of the reason Tyrion likes her. Oh, for sure. I think Tyrion gets a little turned on by the crazy. Well, and he was for told sure. not to like her. Yeah, yeah, all all of it. I think just all of it. Like he he, he probably sees his old wife. And he sees her as as a, a formidable, like adversary foe opponent. Even though obviously he knows that she isn't, but but when they're, she doesn't like listen to his cleverness quote unquote. She just calls it out like, oh, so now you're now you're ashamed of me or you know, now you, you know, I'm not going to be a kitchen winch. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. And he's just trying to get across to her that like we're in a dangerous place. You don't. I know this place. You don't. And any and anything that that uh, Cersei can get her hands on that's going to hurt me. I'm you know, she's going to do because Tyrion knows in that moment that he's going to be hurting Cersei pretty soon. Yeah, we uh I I I I like Shay more than you do. Sure. Um, she does frustrate me at times, like when she screams at the top of her lungs, and you can hear it echo throughout. Hundred miles away. Um, but I I I kind of like her because of that, because she's a formidable opponent for Tyrion. She's somebody who's not going to be boring. Like, yeah, but I her think, arguments aren't logical. No, unfortunately, no. But I think Tyrion enjoys that, and I enjoy the things Tyrion enjoys. Yeah. Okay. Well, some of the things Tyrion enjoys. I don't support everything he does, but I I do like I do like Tyrion, and so when he's interested, it's intriguing to me. Um, so Shay gets told basically this is what you're going to do now. She's not happy about it, but then we find out that she is going to indeed do that here in just a little bit. But before we go there, we we go to Cersei's table. And there's a scene with her children, well, two of them, and Sansa, and they're having a meal. Yeah, thank, but just real like parenthetical here. No Joffrey in this episode. I was gonna say, what Praise. do you think Joffrey's Woo! doing? He's probably chopping yeah, someone's head fucking off, fucking boars and killing whores. I don't think Joffrey does There's either the other of those things. Um, I don't think he does either of those things. No, uh, turned around either. Yeah, he does none of no combination of those things. Fair, um, but no Joffrey. So that's that's a great episode. It, honestly, five stars. <laughs> uh, but no Rob. No Rob. No Danny. Yeah, no Danny. Would you would you be happy to take more episodes with no Joffrey if we also got the same withholding no. of Rob and Danny? No, no. I need more Rob in my I, life. I need a lot of Rob in my life, and I need more Danny. I love Danny. So I would like, I mean, yeah, and I want to see more dragon. We've gotten very little Danny in the last two episodes. Um, none in this one. Very little in the last one. All in all, we've probably gotten less of Danny than any other storyline. Yeah, you're probably so right. Far. 
So anyways, sorry, we're back at the table. Uh, Marcella, um, or Marcella, uh, Tommen, Cersei, and Sansa. And good for Cersei for having two kids that don't seem crappy. Yeah. Yeah, it, it seems like... Probably wasn't her. I don't know how that happened, but it did, and I'm glad of it. Um, and I think the most telling moment of all uh, was when Tommen asked, is Joff going to kill Sansa's brother? And um, Such and a little kid question. It is such a little kid question. Obviously, he's he's around enough to know that there's some shit going on. Like, he's not totally sheltered from it. He knows that something's going on. I'm sure because Joffrey has a loud mouth. But um, he he asks an, an innocent, curious child question. And he he gets a, a question thrown at him that is jarring to ask a child. Would you like that? Would you like that? And his response is so sweet. No, I don't think I would. Yeah. Um. Obviously, Cersei's not thrilled about that, I'm sure. Um, because she just wants more hatred in the world. But I think I think she likes that that she knows that Joffrey's a piece of shit. Um yes. now she doesn't think he's irredeemable, which is great, a great quality in a mother. But uh but she I think I think she kind of likes that okay, there's she's figuring that out too, that I the other two are pretty okay. You know, like yeah. Daughter it just wants to be pretty and wear a cool dress, and yeah. my son doesn't want my other son to kill. Doesn't see the nest, doesn't see the need to murder this girl's brother. Right. Yeah. Um, which they're at dinner with her, so like clearly they like her or they have some sort of you know relationship with her. Yeah, and you um, start to kind of feel bad for Sansa a little bit, and then the next scene with her happens, and all that goes away. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I th- I think that that next scene was a really spot on scene for what you would expect a real girl of is there anything else in that that table scene uh, we can move not really just the yeah. just the talk of you know Cersei Cersei basically tells Sansa like to to talk speak when spoken to like the mm-hmm. princess asks you a question and they're yeah. talking about dresses and all that but that's really the only other thing yeah in that scene. well and she mentions like but Sansa will will do her even if he does Sansa will do her duty won't yeah. you little dove and you can see this this is what really leads into the next scene. You see Sansa's face and she's overcome with emotion. She's she's you can tell like she's got a lot of thoughts going on in her head and and doesn't feel like this is the moment to express them, which is probably a good move on her part. Yeah. And that's how we end up with the next scene, which is Shay and Sansa, and mm-hmm. I agree. It's it's not a uh, very becoming of Sansa, but I t- fully understand her being in that moment. Well, if we hadn't had any other interactions with Sansa, I would agree with you, but we've seen her be like that before when they were like, when Ned was still alive in the hand of the King and everything, like she treats help or other people crappy. So like, I, I agree with you Yeah, because of what just happened. It's understandable, but she also was like this before this. Yeah, you're, you're right. She, she was that way with, um, Septim Mordain. Septim Mordain. I couldn't think of her name. Mm-hmm. She was that way. That's why I'm here. She she was that way. You're right. Um, I I again think, though going through a very difficult. She wasn't like that in Winterfell though. Like she going through very difficult stuff. Her wolf got killed for no reason. Uh, did we meet her much in Winterfell though? A little bit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. She. That's where she first. Uh. You know. Encounters Cersei. That's where she. You know, we we kind of understand the dynamic between her and Arya a little bit. Um, 
Yeah, I think we did. I, I don't I don't disagree with you. I think you're right. This is one of those scenes where it's like, come on, man, she's just trying to help. But but There's, Cersei's also or, or not Cersei. Sansa's right. Like the right. handmaiden just comes in and does stuff. Right. You don't explain right to someone. Now she didn't have to be like handmaidens wait on ladies, not the other way around. Uh and I my pushback or response to that is I think not you can't throw out the entirety of what she's doing. Right. But I think that it is more justified than some of the other things that we've seen. Definitely. Because she did just leave a conversation that it's was... like that lady that told you to fuck off on Easter. Like, she probably had a lot of stuff going on <laughs> in her life. Right. And and you didn't know... You, didn't, you weren't a part of all that other stuff, so you just got the brunt. Shade is not a part of all the other stuff that, uh, and she's just getting the brunt. Now I'm giving that lady a lot of uh, a lot of um, grace, benefit of the doubt. Yeah, grace. I of the do doubt. want you to know, as I am giving Sansa fair. I did encounter that human being after that, <laughs> and it was pretty much on brand. Fair, perfect. Uh, by the way, her husband, one of the nicest people ever. <laughs> For those of you that don't know, I was just trying to help people and i got i got told to fuck off literally on easter morning in a church parking lot by a lady and i was just trying to help her park her car because i was doing some parking duty and um and i got yelled at and cursed at and i felt shitty but you you don't know her yeah you had other interactions but either way that's what i'm saying like I, i i see what you're saying keith i just I, I agree with Justin. I don't think you can isolate that moment and make it make it to where it's you know all the other things don't have right weight. It's hard because you can't discredit everything else that we've seen, but you also have to look at it a little differently because she is going through one of the most difficult character journeys of anybody else in the show right. so far. Of all the just, shit that just, we just talked about, Shay though, she does a great job there of like, okay, you can have your emotions. I'm I'm hearing you. I'll do what you know. I'll, I'll do those things you're asking me to do um, with, a, with a little attitude. Which with a little mind. attitude, but afterwards too, like when when Sansa says that, like you know, the handmaidens, you know, wait on ladies thing. Sansa says, or uh, Shay says, "Do you want me to leave?" And yeah. she says, "No." You know, and so Shay's saying that okay, this girl just needs somebody that's there for her. Yeah, and you see the whole time Sansa's overcome with emotion, and it, it reaches a tipping point, and she explodes, and I. I relate to that. I uh, did like how Shay, when told to clean the table, just started eating. Yeah, she off throws of the table. a piece. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, tough look at Sansa, but it's. I think it's justifiable, but I also I, right. I don't disagree that she's that's not like Joffrey or Theon or any of these. It's other not how you people. want someone to react to help. No, right. not very Downton Abbey of her. Downtown Abbey <laughs> is what we call it on this show. Downtown Abbey. No, if you don't. don't refer to that, I will mute you. For oh. the entirety of the rest of the show. Downton Abbey. Goodbye, Nick. It was it was nice hearing from you. Bitch. In my headphones. Think I'm kidding? They Go ahead. Hear me. <laughs> <laughs> they can hear you faintly in the background, which is how they all prefer you, I'm sure. Um, so after this scene with Shay and Sansa, we make our way to <laughs> Can you shut up? I'm trying to talk. I muted you. Can you not can you stop? So then we get to my favorite scene of this episode, uh, and it's the 
montage moment with Tyrion in the in the small council. Ah, yes. Um, so he, what? Well, <laughs> you should have thought about that before you said... Just say Downtown Abbey. I'll, I'll bring your mic up if you promise to say it. Okay. <laughs> I swear to God, I'll mute you the rest of the episode if you say the other one. I was going to. <laughs> I'll mute, I, I really enjoyed the show Downtown Abbey. Thank you. Quick, say the normal one. No, don't. Do not. <laughs> I, I swear to God, I'll mute you the rest of the episode. Just go on. So, um, Tyrion... Tyrion is is obviously telling everybody what we learn is fake plans pretty quickly because you can't do th- the same thing three times. Right. This I is one of those scenes that I was talking about that is not on brand for Game of Thrones as far as the way that things are shot. Yes. And and so when you're watching, you're like, oh, that's different. Um, yes. And then finding out that we have a, a new director, it makes sense. Makes, makes sense. sense yeah. yeah. It's my favorite scene. He tells Pycelle that he's going to send Marcella to Dorne. He tells Varys that he's going to send her to marry Theon Greyjoy. And then he tells Littlefinger that he's going to send her to the Vale to marry Robert Aaron. Um, and then make him uh, the, the, he's going to give him Heron Hall and then make him Lord of the Riverlands. So, uh, did you catch what he was doing? Yes. Like, you knew right away. I knew right away. I was also a little bit, again, not disappointed, but like it seemed very heavy handed, even not seeing all three scenes like I had, like him just being like, and don't tell the queen like, okay, obviously this is what you're doing. How did none of these, it was a little exuberant catch for on with that. the audience, but I think that they had to do that to really, none of them had known Tyrion in that way yet though. They haven't experienced they, They're all trying to figure him out. Just like I they try to figure true. Ned out when he first got there. Littlefinger uh, visits him. Varys visits him. Mm-hmm. Ned visits Pycelle. Um, They're all trying to figure that new person out. And Tyrion's almost saying in this, by by playing this whole ruse, saying like, you, I, I know how this game is played. Right. So um, it seemed to me too that he had, all of all three of those would work. In theory, on paper, if you remove emotion and history and all those things, it, it in theory would strengthen. What I'm saying is, I think he was ready to do either any of them, any of oh, them yeah. that were told to Cersei, no matter if it was the Theon one, the Robin Aaron one, or the Marcella one, or the uh, the Dorn one. I think he was prepared to do any of them. Do I know who the Dorn people are? No. You, we have okay. not yet met. They've mentioned Dorn. Dorn as a place and Dornish wine and things like that, but they have not. You have not been introduced. Okay, to Dorn. Um, Any, anything you want to tell us about it? Yeah, fuck off. Okay, tell us your favorite Dornish character and no. what and what how important they were to the story. What other show is that person in? Not going to do that. What is that person's? story in game of thrones not gonna do any of this what is your we're just quest? wasting time because i'm not gonna do it what's this that? is not how spoilers come out it's when we're not aware of it <laughs> what's that person's real life name i don't know what's your favorite color you do know I you do don't know. know i do know okay <laughs> what's my favorite color oh okay. let's boot bait him with a easy one yeah. right well no i was trying for the uh, okay we're in the Grail. bubble if which if, bubble no matter who no matter who tells the queen whatever that is Tyrion's not going to go back on it. Oh, that bubble. Cersei knows he's not going to say, oh, that was just a ruse to see who who was giving you information. We're actually going to do this. 
he was ready to do any of those three whichever, whichever one married to the queen he was yeah, gonna he was gonna do he was gonna follow through with right so or at least lead her to believe that that's what he wanted to do no i think he was gonna follow through with it okay well yeah. he he didn't he didn't tell her he didn't tell he, her any of them. He had made other plans. Like well, after, even after. I mean, yeah, that would give away what he just did. Correct. But it's going to have to come out at some point, right? Aren't questions going to be asked about why Pycelle's in the... No, because now it's like, I know that he betrayed me or whatever. Don't talk to him. But isn't Cersei going to want to know like well, why yeah. her inside man is locked up? But, I mean, technically... Yeah, but you can say, because he told you my plans. Right. That you know, but you don't have to say that. Oh, I had I had other plans with other you know members of the small council. He he told you my plans. I told him that in confidence, and so he, this is the the. Um, and we just learned punishment. that Varys and Littlefinger aren't going to tell the queen his yeah, plans. So that's true. He's probably safe on that front. So I have two questions for you. Which me? Yeah. Hi. So out of these three. Before obviously we find out the outcome, who did you think was going to betray? I thought him? it was Old Man, Littlefinger, probably not Varys. So you thought it was one of the two of the first? Yes. Well, not first in the scene, but because um, Littlefinger is who he ended with. But so you thought it was? You thought you would have ranked Pycelle first? Yeah. And then Littlefinger, mm. and then Varys wasn't on the list, right? Um, which of the options that he fed them seems most intriguing to you? Um. What was what was Varys's? Uh, Varys was Theon Greyjoy. Uh, I think that one was probably the most intriguing. Not knowing who the Dorn, the Dornish, yeah, Dornish people are, and then not enjoying Robin and being okay not seeing him anymore. You don't like Robin Aaron? No, I mean he's he's pretty great, but is it him or his mom that you don't like? Yes. Okay. Both. So the Theon one was the one that you would have enjoyed seeing. Well, out of or, those three choices that I don't like, those that was my favorite of the three that I right. Didn't and want. one of them is hard because you you don't know anything about right. Other than they make great wine, I guess. Yeah. So maybe that one's the coolest one. Okay. Because I mean, I've seen what you and Nick are like on a lot of good wine. So <laughs> uh, we're fun as shit. And by the way, that's not Dornish wine. Right. So. No, but I would drink Dornish wine. I think if you had Why Dornish have they not wine. done that? Maybe sure they have. Somebody has. Some winery somewhere. I mean, they've definitely done Game of Thrones wines and beers, but I don't know if they've done like specifically Dornish wines. They usually have some um, some weird name for them, like taking the black stout or something along those lines. Um, but yeah, I, don't, I mean, I don't think that there's specifically been like a, this is Dornish wine. I'm sure some local winery somewhere has done it. Yeah, that'd be cool. Um, if you know of anybody who's made Dornish wine, send it to us. Send it to us. A case of it, if you don't mind. Well, a however much you want to. A flagon of it, actually. A what, dragon of it. Any amount that you'd like to send, send it and I'll drink it. Put it in a symbolic thimble. Put it, it in a Ziploc, put it in a Ziploc bag. They'll drink it right out of the bag. I'll cut the little tip off it and just squeeze the whole thing in my mouth. Do you like the tip? Just the tip? Just the tip. Okay. That's all I can handle. <laughs> um, <laughs> so anyway... Interesting scene. We don't see the outcome of it. We just end with, and remember, don't magic tell always the comes queen. at a price. <laughs> and then Littlefinger's like, I know, I know. Don't tell the queen. Um, so then we make our way back to the Stormlands. Go ahead. That's the making end of our it. way where? Nope, that's the end of it. Uptown? Yep. Up the village. Yep. 
downtown? No. I was going to say, I think it's downtown. <laughs> it's downtown. Um, I know. I was just trying to okay. get him to sing just, it. We're walking fast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we're back in the Stormlands. You kind of alluded to this scene earlier. Did I? Uh, vaguely, when you talked about Marjorie's chillness. Willingness to turn around. This is the moment where we open with Loris and Rinley. Ah, yes. Trying to get a little frisky. Mm-hmm. Uh, Loris clearly has a lot on his mind. He's not as engaged in the act of sodomy. He was engaged. That, that's what I. That's why I put my finger up because he was engaged. He was passionately making out with Renly, and that was some first base action there. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think so. And um, and quickly rounding first, headed to second, and then all of a sudden, Renly kisses a bruise and says, he says, ow. And that kind of puts a damper on the whole thing, which I understand that. I mean, there's, there are things that you can do in that moment that if you do that, it's over. Yeah. If you poke my belly or make like a bowl full of jelly, acknowledge, like a, if you acknowledge like my, Pillsbury Doughboy noise. Yeah. Or acknowledge my belly in any way. It's over. <laughs> Does that happen a lot? Well, I'm in the dugout Did sitting it? on the bench, so nothing's so I, happening. So I got a clarification from my wife. That is not the dugout, sir. What's the dugout? What Renly was trying to go for is the dugout. Oh. Some booty hole? Yep. Oh. That's the dugout? I don't know. That's what That doesn't seem like a dugout. Said. Okay. What specifically did she say in her voicemail? Because I did not. Oh, I don't know exactly. I just, I asked her to clarify what the dugout was. Okay. Well, so thanks for that clarification. You're welcome. So, anyways, uh, my my point was that like Loris is into that's it. That's almost a different then, game. I feel like that's a different game. I mean, maybe oh, it's the same game. I feel like it's a different game. Okay. It, or maybe it's a different league. If we have any any gay people listening, please no, call no, no, in. No, no, let us know no, what no, it no. looks like. Yeah, because because straight people can. I go I, for I booty think hole. it's the same game. Straight people go for booty hole. That's I not know. a gay thing. No, I, I think yeah. I don't know. Uh, maybe that's the traditional part. I don't know. Um, oh, oh, maybe. But my point was that Loris was into it, and then all of a sudden it was like, "There's another Tyrell that that requires your attention." Well, you can you can have boundaries for yourself, and then when things start heating up, you can feel like you don't want to participate any longer. Yeah, no or maybe means, he thought no he was no. getting Rinley heated up. I've, I've well, maybe, but I think it probably had more to do with he you know, had a line in his head. He no longer wanted to participate. And yeah. that is what we call consent. And Rinley was not, not listening. He was not uh, honoring the consent given. At first, he eventually did. He had no other choice. I thought it was funny how he reacted uh, to... Um, so Lawrence is telling him that his his bannermen are starting to snicker behind his back or whatever. And he said wives are not usually virgins two weeks into their <laughs> two weeks after their wedding night. <laughs> and Rinley goes he said, and Marjorie's a virgin. And Marjorie's a virgin. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, that was a very funny uh response to that. That was good. Yeah. So then Marjorie comes in. Looking fine. Marjorie comes in. <laughs> and um and then she tries to uh, you know, get things get things going. Uh, she's, she's no longer wants to officially be a virgin. And, uh, (laughs) and so she, she tries to spice it up a little bit and you can just see the pain on Rinley's face. I really thought you were going to go fire fit on the the second option. I really thought that's what you were going to do. I I had that in my head. It was like, she did that. She gave you two options. She said, do you like the dress better this way 
or this way. And I just thought you were going to take the low road for once and say fire pit of the week is option B on Marjorie's dress. I, but you didn't. And I'm proud of you for that. Um, I'm not. I didn't see it. I don't know. I closed my eyes during those moments because, um, you know, that's what good husbands do. I'm not going to say that I didn't. Keith doesn't even know what we're talking about. I didn't consider having it on the list. But when push came to shove, mm. they're stronger as a unit. Fair. And he was not fire fitty at Fair. that moment. Um, but yeah, she is. She's somewhat supportive. I mean, she's like, hey, you know, if that's what if that's what you're into, let's do that. That's you know, it's not about me and not about yeah, this. It's, it's about, about the kingdom and politics and right. the Game of Thrones. It seems as though she has a really good grasp of her role, him, her, all of it. The world, the expectation on her role, what she's supposed to do, him and and whatever desires he has, like what their actual purpose is. Like it seems that she has a pretty. Now I'm not advocating for bringing your brother into the bedroom. I thought that the but, so I thought originally it seemed like she was being pretty supportive. The line that's um, or I could turn around and you could pretend that I'm him. That seemed a little sarcastic to me, but it might have just been the way that she delivered it. I just think it's her face. Yeah. It's her mouth. The way she talks. Yeah. Kind of bothers me. I mean, the way that you talk bothers me. It's fine. (laughs) The way I talk bothers me. So, yeah. I just think that she, like, her mannerisms make her seem like she's not authentic sometimes. But I, I think that she was. I think she was just trying to do something to appeal to Renly in that moment. Does she have the same, uh, like, mouth movements in other things that she's in because she's in um some marvel movie right i don't know i was staring at her going why she's, do uh, i know is it winter soldier maybe she has a um she has like a shaved head on one side yeah yeah one side of her head is shaved um I do in, like that yeah in in one of those roles oh, i that's think it's you'd like nick so much yeah right <laughs> uh all i just can't remember shit. yeah i never really noticed it until you pointed it out her um, mouth. Yeah. How do you not notice it? I'm not gonna answer that question. I didn't notice her mouth. I was talking to that Lauren was what I was, was gonna say, Keith. <laughs> I was saying she's really pretty, but there's something, something about her. Yeah, like almost like fae like. What to be like elf or like wood nymph or something oh, okay. like? Yeah, back to the wood nymphs. Back to the wood nymphs? It took us a few episodes to get back to the wood nymphs. I don't remember when we were with the wood nymphs, but that's what I imagine the children of the forest are. Mm, Okay. When we were talking. She's in the Hunger Games. She also has a very, very, very minor role in Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Hey, I was right. You did it. She's in several episodes of... like the one Marvel movie I've seen. Maybe I've seen probably like three or four. Oh, yeah, that's right. You don't like... It's not. Superheroes aren't my thing. That's fair. The Tudors... All right, she was in. Which Cas- I wanted to watch Casanova with good old Heath Ledger. Mm. What a guy! R.I.P. She, yeah. yeah, she's been in quite a few, quite a few things. But uh, her her biggest thing, other than Game of Thrones, because that's like the biggest project she's worked on, is is Captain America. But it was a minor role yeah. in the Hunger Games. Does she it was, say what her minor role in Captain America was? Yeah, it's a character called in the Hunger Games. I think she was one of the like other people that were in the um that were like the tributes, mm. but one of the older girls. Well, she was in two of the movies. Yeah, oh, I was okay. gonna say well, was she one. one of the ones that came back? Maybe. Well, she was in 
Mockingjay Part One and Two. Mm. Mm. Um, where did where did Captain America go? Oh, she was Private Lorraine. Yeah, but mm. she has a shaved head she, or shaved one side. I'm gonna have to look it up. Yeah, um, kind of scared to look. I, the I just over though. I can't. <laughs> I can't remember uh, if she scared, has the same but... mouth like mannerisms, but um, I didn't notice them until you <laughs> she has a different pointed mouth. out there, but. Uh, but her yeah, mouth is her mouth. She says it though at the very end. She said, "All that matters is, or the best way to, to to shut them up is putting your baby in my belly." And she's absolutely right. 100%. I mean, that would pretty much do it. And I'm sure that she wants something more out of life than her husband fucking her brother. And there must be more than this provincial just, life. Every time, <laughs> every time. <laughs> um. So anyway, it was it was an interesting interesting scene. We get a little glimpse into Marjorie. Do you like Marjorie? Like, how do you feel about her? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, just from the practicalness, but she doesn't seem like Cersei's practical, but also kind of a jerk about things. Like, yeah, she doesn't seem bad. She just seems just, like, yeah, I understand. I'm here. This is what we need to do. Seems like this isn't ideal, but I'm willing to play my part. Right. Like, whatever, is, however I need to do. This that. was the hand that I was dealt with. And so I could whine about it. I could be a Joffrey or a Theon about it, but yeah. No, so if, if Marjorie, if Cersei was Marjorie, she would just go off and have sex with somebody else, you know, and, and have a baby by that person. Yeah. Basically. And to solidify her. Right. But I mean, obviously Rinley would know <laughs> that we didn't do that. We haven't done he that. He looks actually. like he's, um, I mean, I understand that he's not attracted to women. I get that, but he looks like he's in pain almost. He does. Yeah. He looks like he's, Definitely not in any way attracted. Which I, I mean, I'm knowing the gay people that I know, uh, they wouldn't be in pain. They wouldn't enjoy it, or it wouldn't be as as pleasurable as it would be for some if you were attracted to that person. But it wouldn't. It's not like they would be in pain, you know. I mean, maybe she was like squeezing. She seems like she knows her way around a dick. She seems like she is a little bit. Like, well, she's apparently a virgin, so. Like, but obviously she's dom- not <laughs> dominatrix. I don't know what you mean. Yeah, I feel like she might be a little too rough for me. Okay. So anyway, we found she- out last episode you got some moves. If you haven't heard about Justin's moves, go to the last episode. You'll you'll be riveted. I and maybe we'll put them up on Patreon. Yeah. Oh, it's not a maybe. Got it. Yeah. Say yes. Over right. on Janiel two hundred, Lydia's about <laughs> to be in for it. <laughs> <laughs> which we did mention her. Lydia, thank you so much for being our patron. She's the only one so far, so she's probably it's about this. It's about to rack back. Maybe we I'm surprised your phone her. isn't dinging right now. She's probably going to skip. Ding, ding, yeah, ding, ding, skip we that. shouldn't threaten her with that then. <laughs> yeah, we want to keep her around. We used to have a <laughs> um, So we make our way to King's Landing. Uh, we see the scene with Tyrion and Cersei where Cersei obviously has now figured out what the hell is going on. She's very, very unhappy. Very upset. Um, and she kind of loses it, you know, but she shows this side of Cersei that we've seen a little bit, but this like love for her kids yeah, and, and it seems to be a real authentic love for Marcella and wanting to be with her and not, you know, it doesn't seem to be like, cause Cersei kind of has two versions of herself. One is the authentic version where you see moments like this, where she cares about what she cares about. You know, you can add Jamie to that list. Clearly, Marcel is on that list. Like, you can see some of these things that she does care for, 
And then she's got the manipulative power is power kind of side. Mm -hmm. But this moment was she was overcome with emotion because I think that she feels like she's losing one of the few good things that she has in life. And she's going to be stuck with fucking Joffrey around all the time without the relief of chaos in Marcella, who seems to be just a sweet girl. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Sorry to off tangent a little bit. Are we assuming slash told that because they are both blondes that they are both also Jamie's children? Um, and I, I'm not trying to trick you here. I think that that's been insane. I'm trying to think of what. Oh yeah, yeah. I think it's uh, been Ned. Yeah, Ned says so. So it's a conversation with her and Ned, and Ned says they're all Jamie. they're all Jamie's, and yeah. she says thank the gods. Like so, yes. Okay, we cool. do know that. That yeah. was the courtyard. Yes, scene. that was the that's the Game of Thrones thing scene scene where she actually says when you play the Game of Thrones you either win or you die, um, and he and then he died died, died. yeah as Justin let us know but um but yeah <laughs> uh, much, but yeah so much we, earlier than you found out we right. we do know that yeah so anyway anything else on that scene I mean it was very it's powerful it's powerful she has a very I mean very. Uh, you can feel the emotion. It's a it's a great job. I think Emily may have mentioned that, that like, or maybe you did when we were watching it. Lena Headley does it. I mean, she does a great I, job in that I scene. Her and Tyrion acting together. Yeah, I mentioned that. Um, Peter Dinklage. There, the, these are probably up up until this point in the show the two best uh, acting performances. Which I mentioned seen. to you the reason uh, one. I think one of the reasons why they're acting so great together, they're actually very good friends. Peter Dinklage is the one who got her that job. Um, he told the the writers and the the casting uh, department that hey, you should you should really talk to Lena Headley. Um, they had someone else in line for Cersei originally, and and moved her. Can I say? Yeah, right. We've met. We've met. Yeah. Melisandre. So Melisandre was originally cast as Cersei. Um, and Melisandre's the red haired, the red woman. Okay. Yeah. Originally cast as Cersei, and then Peter Dinklage says you should really talk to Lena Headley. They go get her, and they realize she's a much better Cersei, and they find something else for um, whoever the actress is that plays Melisandre. But don't know. Anyways, so but they I, so they have really good rapport. I think that they do. the The chemistry that they have in that scene is great, and every scene that we've seen of them so far, um, scene that we've seen. Which there's another another kind of thing. Lena Headley and the actor who plays Bronn used to date. Yeah. Before before Game of Thrones, which is a little who's Bronn. Braun is Tyrion's like cell sword, cell sword gotcha. wingman. Now the okay. commander of City Watch. Yeah, promotion. Cool. Right. So, um, so I I think that um, personally, in my opinion, uh, Lena Headley's the best actor, gender neutral there, it, person in the show. Like yeah. not not just actress. She's the best performance in the in the show up to this point that we've seen. Yeah, I, I think I think Peter Dinklage could probably uh, rival be, that. He'd but, be the only other person I'd like consider there. Yeah, Rob does a great job. Rob is great, but he's not be. as 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 powerful yeah. as we've seen because we've well, seen the difficulty Cersei with Cersei's character is that she's very complex. We've, we you, you actually just mentioned this. She's a she is a very complex character, right? Going from the the um, hard power is power, manipulative queen sort of uh, you know, portrayal. To the soft conversations with Robert, the soft conversations with Jamie, the 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 reactions here with her kids and 
her as a mother, all those kind of things. It's a very complex she's character. She's covered to, the to, spectrum of emotion. Uh, she's done it in a believable way, a compelling way in all of them. I mean, even when yeah. she's when she's being horrible, it's powerful and it's good. I right. mean, and when she's she's showing the emotion of a mother or the emotion of a daughter or the emotion of a of a of a wife, all I mean, she just she does. And I think an that's incredible job. I think that's why I have the the reaction I do to Brienne is that there's there's a lot of really good actors in this show 100 percent. like you know nine out of ten ten out of ten actors and i just don't know if she holds up to that like i said above average but you know yeah i don't so think, i think that might be why i, I said think i'm, that I'm I said comparing them the best but you did it i just i yeah. just enjoyed like because it would have been really easy for them to go out and get a i mean your, your options are limited when you're looking for a giant of a woman unless they unless they unless they were to trick the you know manipulate right. the camera work and angles and all that and instead of going that angle, they went and found a very competent actress. Right, which um, is what we were talking about. It was cool. And, you know, she obviously is good enough to land a role in Star Wars as well. And, you know, anyway, it's it's pretty cool. Yeah. What she was I look for? I, I didn't uh, realize the Star Wars thing. That's Captain Phasma, the chrome-plated, like, storm or First Order Trooper. Who's That's barely what is, what is What is she in? The new trilogy. Yes, you haven't seen the new trilogy. Well, they're mm-hmm. trash, so you don't yeah. need to, but you're wow. fine. Anyway, she was a she was a more significant character than than a regular trooper. Yeah, right. You've you been know. watching Bad Batch? I watched the first two episodes and then I stopped. Okay. It's on the list for me. I've heard it's great. Because I Did you watch Clone Wars? I have not. I have I haven't I haven't watched the last season of Clone Wars. That's why that. I, I I know enough actually. about Clone Wars from being friends with Justin that I feel like I'd be okay. Gotcha. Um, Clone Wars is incredible. I've just, I've just heard that the that the storyline of of Bad Batch is pretty cool. Clone Wars is on on mark with Avatar as being some of the best. Yeah. Like First part of the last season ever. though. Yeah. Even with Ahsoka being there. Love. Yep. Love Ahsoka. Absolutely love her. What's next? Uh, I was going to make a really funny joke about Sam being also a great actor and <laughs> give us a song, Pip. Just how moving that was. Um, so, next is... Go. I wanted to be a wizard. <laughs> next is another one of those moments where we get a different vibe uh, in the show than we've gotten so far. That's the Theon scene. Yes. Yeah, he's yeah, got that, that was shot. a really cool shot. That shot's cool. Yeah, the shot is some of the best camera work. Would you say it was fire? It was fire. Good one. Thank you. Um, would you like to explain the shot? You're punny. Um, he is uh, reading a letter that we are led to believe that he probably wrote to Rob. Uh, in fact, Nicholas and I paused it to try to read that letter, and we got most of it down. Yeah, mm-hmm. we did read that letter. I read some of it. There were there were a couple words that we the the last the first couple words on the last line the camera kind of cuts off. There were some big words in there. And so we couldn't really get him. Also, his handwriting, terrible. It's not the best. So Theon. essentially what he's saying is, hey, Rob, this shit ain't going to work out the way we wanted it to. Um, they're coming to raid. They're coming to raid. He's get the warning, get, Rob. Yeah. He basically, in the letter, he says, get back to Winterfell. And we see him read the letter. He's pondering the letter. And then he burns the he letter. He chooses his side. And, and then I said, I was right. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's an interesting moment because... 
but the shot that we're talking about is that when he's burning the letter, just the all it's a wide angle. Else, yeah. It's a wide angle. Everything else is pitch black, and it's just all you can see is Theon's face and the letter burning in his hand, and it's very uh, atmospheric. Yeah, and, and Not right, Game of Thrones. No, exactly. Seen so far, exactly. That's what I'm saying about it's this, be- this episode. It's beautiful, it's though. A, it's a really good shot. Um, so it, it it's a tough show moment for me story wise. This is another one of those that I found hard to believe because you know so far what we've seen in the show, Rob more than any of the other Starks, um, is is appreciative of Theon and treats Theon mostly well uh, there's a couple moments but ultimately yeah the- 98% well yeah Theon and Rob seem to have a great relationship well, he a, pledged a, himself to life he did you know? yeah yeah again um, we're just talking about why Theon's a fuck sorry no this is that's exactly why everything we've seen so far from Balon Greyjoy is the opposite the of opposite of that and Theon's ultimate decision is to, to side with dad, the guy who you just said 20 minutes in the show ago, you are scolded. You're mad at me that I came back. You treated me like shit. You gave me away. Cast me out like a dog. All all this stuff. And I found it hard to believe that that's actually the decision he would make. Because it's not like he grew up with his dad. and Because fe- sometimes that happens where people feel trapped in the loyalty of family but he didn't grow up there. It's well, not even that he has that tie. It's yeah. that he, it kind of feels like he, he's trying to prove something. Right. And, exactly. And in doing that, he's, this is what makes him a fuck in trying to prove something that doesn't need to be proven to anybody. He's going back on his pledge. He's saying, fuck you to the people who raised him to the clo- the only close relationship really to the that, people he, that has. he doesn't have to prove anything to. Exactly. The people who you're, you're a part of their inner circle. That was wise, Nick. So it's just, it, it's, it's good frustrating. Part of, so you can see why in book two, season two, you do get, uh, you in the book, you do get Theon as a perception character uh, that you don't get in, in book one. And, being that we get more of Theon's thought processes in the book, and I think I think that may uh, explain it a little bit better than the show has, because I think yeah, if you're watching, you're like, what are you doing, man? What are you doing? Yeah. These people didn't need you to do anything. They, it was your idea to send you there. It wasn't like you had to go and and prove yourself by by getting Balon to join the fold. You you were fine. And, and the, yeah. The, the, the yeah, it's just frustrating because in a show of fantasy. This is the most unbelievable thing I've seen so far, or the least believable thing that I've seen so far. I think it's still pretty believable that you want to prove to your dad, or prove to your sister, or prove to your you know, or or the the draw to family, um, and who you are and who you're supposed to be. I think it's believable. I, I just to me it would obviously be, makes the wrong choice. It would be more believable if if they if Balon and Yara had given him any kind of. Support. Support or validation, even if it wasn't fully, but even a little glimpse of it. They didn't even do that, and ultimately he still makes the decision to burn the letter and make his decision to join in their fight. It's just it's frustrating because in a show that does a really good job of making the unbelievable believable, he he makes a decision that I'm just like, there's no I think that's I think that's a little bit of your personality in it though. Maybe. Yeah. But that's 
It's a podcast. That's the point. I'm, I'm, <laughs> no, I, I get yeah, to I share my opinion. I understand. I still think it's. The, I I agree with everything you're saying. I think it's the wrong decision. I don't necessarily find it as unbelievable as you do, but it's also probably because I've seen it ten times. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I thought it was a stupid decision. The only like redeemingness that I can see is like, well, maybe he goes and then doesn't do this, and like, I don't know, rams his uh, one boat into his the one boat into like Balon's boat. The sea something. bitch. The sea bitch. Right. About to fuck shit up. Sea bitch is, uh, is ramming. So is this, a, is this a prediction? It's not. It's, I mean, sure. But it's more of just like, that's the only way I see this being redeemed. Okay. Because like he's, like we said, like going against the pledge that he made to his king slash brother, like that's super crappy. Yeah. Agreed. Fuck Dion. Fuck Dion. So then we're with Tyrion and Littlefinger. Which is funny because I wrote Theon on my page because we had just left Theon. Uh, not Theon and Littlefinger, Tyrion and Littlefinger. Uh, Littlefinger's frustrated. He comes in guns blazing. He's very Un- whiny. Understandably. Le- leave me out of your eh, next deception. I call- yeah, right. And I think it's justified. It is, 100%. Um, Still got, whiny, though. He yeah. got played. <laughs> you um, justifiably whiny. So he says, leave me out of your next deception. Tyrion's response is... What a shame you were to be the centerpiece in my next, you know, deception. Um, Littlefinger is super excited again. He just gets a full chub instantly. He's just back in the game. He's well, he's off the bench and uh, not yeah, in the Tyrion knows how to play play Littlefinger. Yeah, mm-hmm. he does because they're similar. Um, go ahead, crack that one open. No, if you keep talking, it's not as loud. Okay, sorry. I'll just keep just talking. talking. I'll just well, keep saying this is what we're doing. I don't even know Here what I'm go. saying. This is what we're doing while Nick opens the can. Uh, so, obviously, he 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 lures him in a little bit. Um, he kind of intrigues Littlefinger with this, like, proposition of a, of a, of a new, of a new role. Um, and all of it's interrupted by Bronn coming in. Bron, I anytime Bron's on screen, I just smile a little bit. I was gonna say, I, I thought you were about to say that you were upset that he comes. I love, no. I love that Bron comes it's in. It's just because he's like he says uh, he found him talking about Pycelle, and uh, he says it's old, almost a shame he's yeah <laughs> he's got company or a guest. <laughs> like I almost don't want to interrupt him, and and uh, Terry says, says, "Yeah, you do." <laughs> and he says, "Yeah, I do." Or I do. He, he actually says, "No, I don't." Yeah, because he's saying I don't want to. I almost want to leave him be. Yeah. And, and anyway, um, the, it, it's just it's it's a scene that I love. Um, but Tyrion so, explains that he's gonna he's going to have Littlefinger go talk to Cat about something. Yeah, and that's kind of reigniting that. Actually, know. he even says about he says that um, that he's gonna have Littlefinger talk to Cat about releasing Jamie because he doesn't right. think because he doesn't think Rob will do it. No, but his mother might. Um, and so you know, how would you like to see your beloved Cat again? And she's a widow. Yeah, she's single now. She's on the market. Yeah. How does it, I guess, I mean, like, how is it so common knowledge that he has this massive thing for Kat? I mean, I don't think he's, he's very open about it with her and with Ned, but is he just telling everybody? I mean, maybe this is like a Tyrion Varian thing or just a Tyrion, like, well, I guess, doing uh, well, a good well, I job guess there was the, the, the duel. So, so Littlefinger had a duel way back when. Yeah, for there's, Cat. There's some evidence. Yeah, okay. in the world. Still. Um. Okay. So all that to say, 
How do you think that's going to play out? Um, gonna... He's going to go to Cat, and Cat is not going to release Jamie. Okay, so she's not going to play ball. She, you don't think she's going to be? I, I don't mean, think they have anything to give her. She's sorrowful. She's lonely. Her I daughter. I don't think she will trade Jamie for Sansa. Mm. As much as she loves Sansa. Because she doesn't want to or because Rob has already addressed that? Um, I think she's smart enough to know that that is not a tactically wise decision. That is not a good trade. Taking family and love out of it, the commander, the Kingslayer himself, for my 12 to 13-year-old daughter. Slightly dramatic daughter. Yeah, not it's even not that a, enjoyable daughter. It's not a good trade. Sorry. Not enjoyable. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> because you murdered my husband and you don't know where my other daughter is. Yeah. Okay. So your prediction is that that does not go according to You think to Littlefinger will tell her that they don't know where I think, Arya Don't is? they know they don't know where? No, they don't no, know. No, they don't. They, the, the, the Starks know nothing about Arya right, right now. Well, I don't I mean, I guess we have to see what happens with the Nightwatch and the people, Yaris, who... Yorin. 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 R.I.P. Yeah. Yeah. Still got that to get to. Yeah. Because, I mean, they're on their way back to Winterfell, maybe. So. Yeah, I guess we'll find out. Or maybe Littlefinger says something about it. Okay. So. um, Okay. So then we get the Bronn entrance, and then we get the Pycelle scene, which is a great scene. Pycelle is is trying so hard. (laughs) He just thinks that he can talk his way out of anything, and he's trying to play Tyrion, but Tyrion is a few steps ahead of him. Uh, the f- The best moment in that scene is when he has the little like nutcracker, and he just like is that what that is? I was wondering what that was. No, I, that was a like cigar cutter or something, right? Yeah, but do they have? They don't have cigars. They don't have cigars. I don't know. That's what I was thinking. I was like, oh, that's clearly a cigar cutter, but it's not. Maybe it's, it's like a, 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 a slicer cutter? of some kind, like a slice, you know, slicing. Fruits or vegetables or... I don't know how you... Like, it was a circle with a blade that went through it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what you would put in there. Nuts. Stick the carrot through and it... I'm telling you, I think that we see a scene at some point in the show where they use that for that. Oh, okay. I think. That's a $5 spoiler. No, it's not. (laughs) Go fuck yourself. Um... I all that to say it was just a funny. It was funny. It's even... It's funny that, that Tyrion says, cut off his manhood. Feed it to the goats. (laughs) <laughs> there are no man. We'll make do. Tyrion is a great actor. Uh, Peter Dinklage does a great job. Um, so anyway, great, great scene. They cut off part of his beard. They are dragging him off. He shows his true strength yeah, here. Right. He breaks character. He's trying to fight. They take him. Tyrion is funny, but it's also kind of compassionate that he gives the girl the he puts a little coin on the thing for your trouble and then looks back at Pycelle putting up a crazy fight and then he turns around and puts another one on <laughs> and then kind of gives her a nod and she gives a little like acknowledgement with the shake of Thanks. her head um so anyway pycelle has got what's what's coming to him do you guys have anything else to add to that not really not nope. yeah he's slippery yeah he's he's uh come out showing his true colors he's been outed first of all but then he's kind of like all right well I don't want to go down without a fight. And then he loses that fight. So then we get the scene with Varys where he's having a conversation, you know, cause now he's kind of like talking to the other two people that he was deceiving. 
Um, we just saw Littlefinger. Then he goes to Pycelle. And then Varys. And Varys has a, a line about the small council grows smaller every day. And Tyrion talks about his mindset. And we kind of already got in, an idea of what he's doing. You know, he, he clearly... You know, once we we've seen it several times where he's talked to Littlefinger about wanting to figure out, you know, how where who are you, like what's our relationship, like can I trust you, this kind of thing. Uh, but then he gets into this um, conversation with Varys where he's like, I'm, you know, the last hand. Yeah, the council has a, a bad reputation for you know past hands. Yeah, and, um, and yeah. I don't want to go the same way as Ned Stark. And then Varys has the line about the shadow. A uh, very small man can cast a very large shadow. Oh, actually going back really quick to the Pycelle scene, Pycelle says, so, so Tyrion brings that up to Pycelle, and Pycelle says, John Aaron knew the truth. John Aaron knew the truth about the queen and planned to act. And so he goes, so you poisoned him? No, I would never. But you made sure he succumbed to the poison. Right. Um, so, so Pycelle did know like you know, what we were experiencing the first season, where uh, we we think that Ned's the only one figuring this out, um, but but Pycelle knew that okay, I gave him that book that had the the you know people's hair color in it, um, and you know, and he's starting to figure this out, and Pycelle knew that he planned to act, so maybe John Aaron, you know, confided in Pycelle that he was going to be doing something. Yeah, Tyrion, it's a, it's another one of those moments where the show isn't abundantly clear, but they lead us to believe that there's more going on behind the scenes than what we initially believe. And Tyrion's doing a good job of covering his bases. You know, he's, um, you know, Littlefinger talks about, you know, Jano Slint, uh, Pycelle, like, you know, what's going on here? Can I, am I safe? Or is it Varys that says that? No, that's Littlefinger saying like, you know, Jano Slint, was the Lord of Herod Hall. Like, I didn't need Janice Lint. But, uh, but yeah, the, the talk with Varys is good. And then Varys mentions that, you know, our mutual friend is doing well in Sansa's service. Yeah. yeah. I'm really interested to see what happens between Tyrion and Littlefinger, though, because, like, Littlefinger also very much betrayed uh, Ned. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, but it was a different kind of... It was obviously a much different scenario. Um, and we're just kind of like you know, getting glimpses into what's going on and who's doing what and all this stuff. So anyway, it was interesting. Um, so then we get to the scene that you mentioned a second ago where we're back on the King's Road, headed up to the wall, and we get the the uh, fir- the first moment where Yorn and Arya are having a conversation and he talks about, you know, she's like, how do you, how do you sleep? Like, how do you? And he says, well, to be honest with you, I, I here's my story. And he talks about... Uh, Will Willem Willem, and um, and he t- tells the story, and he basically says, "I just said that dude's name over and over and over and over and over, and and stuck with it, and that kind of gave me motivation, gave me drive, yeah. gave me something to fight for." Yeah, if you don't remember, Willem is Willem uh, killed his brother. killed Yorin's brother when he was younger, and then skipped town, and so throughout the you know the rest of we don't know how long, but the rest of Yorin's life, uh, he was. Just cont- he, he says, I forgot my brother's face. I can't remember what he looks like, but I can remember Willem e- very easily. And, you know, just continued to that. That just stuck in his mind, stuck in his mind, stuck in his mind. Says his name over and over before he goes to bed um, to the point where as soon as Willem rides into town, 
you know, one day he buries an axe so deep in his skull that they had to bury him with it. And Willem's Meaning they couldn't the get wall. it out of his head. Yeah. <laughs> What'd you say? And then he says, and Willem's horse got me to the wall. Mm. And Been wearing black ever since. Yep. So that's obviously a, a cool moment. We don't know what this means to Arya. Right. You know, she's just trying to figure out what the hell, how, how do you live with how to compartmentalize these, these yeah. atrocities. She's and that seen. doesn't seem to be super helpful. And, and you acknowledges that like, <laughs> yeah, good luck sleeping now. <laughs> yeah. So sleep now. didn't we hear the horns blow the horns blast blow? Whatever one you hear. Someone, someone one. blows some People blow some Someone horns. blows a horn that leads to a blast. Yeah. Someone blows blast a horn. And then, then we roll out to, uh, some Lannister soldiers Get up, you lazy sons of whores. <laughs> and uh, and Yorn's just not going to play nice no matter what. Well, and he he pulls Gendry and Arya aside as they're running outside and says, if everything if anything goes south, you two, you run. You stay out you stay out of sight, all that kind of stuff, um, which is cool that not only does he pull Arya in there, but he pulls Gendry in because he knows, you know, at this point we know that they're looking for Gendry. And so he doesn't know why they're looking for Gendry. He's just automatically on Gendry's side. I'm I'm gonna stick up for you. You're with me now. I'm gonna stick up for you. You guys stay out of sight. I'll take care of it. If anything yeah. goes down, you run. It's basically fuck these, you know, city the the city watch and, and the Lannisters. Lannisters yeah. I hate them. They want you, so that makes me side with you. Yeah, and we're almost brothers. We're we will be soon. Yeah. Yeah. You're just a good, you know, wholesome guy. So of course he gets murdered. You were starting to get it. <laughs> in fantastic fashion, by the way. Oh, yeah. Takes out a couple of soldiers. He catches that arrow in the shoulder. Takes Always out, hated crossbows. Bro, it's like eight It's like eight or nine people that he kills. Yeah. And then and then he just, I mean, that sword through the spine. Yeah, he takes a spear, too. Damn, and then bro. just, you know, sort of Amory Lorch. Well, the Amory spear, Lorch, like, they're like holding him puppet. up on two sides. Yeah, right. Ugh. And Amory Lorch just drops it right down his spine. Which, are we going... So no, okay. I'll let you do that. Never mind. Sorry. No, what is is kill of the week that I, or kill I, of the week Lamy? Kill of the week. I I mentioned. Oh, we have music for that, but we don't have it for Apology Corner. <laughs> I mentioned to Nick <laughs> that's not music, sir. <laughs> I mentioned to Nick that I wanted to start a new bit that I have mentioned before, by the way. Uh, kill of the week. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I Drogo won it before it was a thing twice, actually. Yeah, right. Um, and this episode is what kind of reignited that in my mind because there were two memorable kills, both in this scene. Uh, the first one was Yorin, you know, catching the the sword yeah, a- through, his, Lorch is through his spine. Right? Yeah. And Lorch is, by the way, a, a really menacing character. He really was. He said, drop your weapons and, you know, like, or we're going to fuck you up. He's got a, uh, he looks menacing and powerful sitting on his horse he's got lannister armor which is it's it is you know kind of a daunting look yeah, to it's it not the flashy shiny no it's like i'm this is this is armor built for fighting right um and then so anyway uh yorin i think is uh is probably going to take kill of the week for me but i agree honorable mention to fuckhead lami Getting the getting needle through his throat too predictable. It was yeah, but I appreciated it because I don't care for Lamy. Mm-hmm. Um, Just because the the kill is predictable doesn't make make it kill of the week or doesn't mean that it can't be kill of the week. I mean, every all these kills are I for the mean, most part. If it was if that was the only one, yeah, maybe. 
I mean, I think Yoren might Yoren himself may get honorable mention for the kill on the crossbow guy. Oh yeah, shoots him with the crossbow. He then is saying, "I've always hated crossbows because it takes too long to load," and then slashes that dude across the face. Yeah, it was a cool moment. Yeah, but it wasn't the coolest of kills. Sure, and I hate that that Firefit has included a couple of people that are shit people uh, previously. And Kill of the Week is against the character that I love. Yeah. I love Yorin. Yeah. But that's a that's a memorable moment. <laughs> like, yeah. I I will remember... Anytime I watch a sword fighting movie or show in throughout history, I'll remember that. That'll yeah. stick with me. Just like Drogo ripping that guy's entire throat out yeah. or giving uh, uh, Viserys his golden, golden crown. crown. That's a good one. When he pulls the sword out of Yorin, so you bloody. see how how deep that sword went. Yeah, I mean that thing touched his asshole. I mean it was it was very far down there. A little dugout action. <laughs> Thank you, Lauren. There you go. Um, um, yeah. So so after that, um, oh, real briefly in there, there's a fire that started, and, and it starts to starts to get towards that cart with the guys in it. Which God, what a terrible way to die. Um, if you're just in this like in this prison kind of thing, which I think happened a lot to prisoners when things got raided and all that kind of stuff. But and and Arya brings over a hatchet to, you know, uh Jockin says a man can fight, um, talking about himself in the third person again. Love it. And it's kind of his thing, apparently. Arya just Arya doesn't let them out. Arya doesn't like waste time with that. He just she gives him a hatchet and like, okay, good luck. <laughs> Figure it out. Um, and obviously they do. Uh, and so, but, but that's just a brief line, brief thing there. Uh, but I think I'm getting out. Um, no, No. but, but you can, you see Jockin's face of like, okay, you know, like, thank you. And they're working on getting out and all that. You're the show leads you to believe that that's not the last we'll see of these guys. Right. Um, so yeah, that, that's a good, I have Jockin just, just his name there yeah. uh, to mention that. Um, but yeah, so uh, one thing kind of that go back to the Yorn pulling Gendry and, y- and Arya aside, they completely disregarded everything. It kind of felt like he was, I don't know this to be true, but it kind of felt like part of his relu- or, or um, unwillingness to cooperate was to maybe give them a head start. And they just he, he died in vain. Arya they did got captured. Run. She, I know, but they ran back. No, but she did. No, she ran away. She was running away and got clotheslined by um, whatever. But they but they stopped to watch. Yeah, right. They, they they didn't take advantage of the opportunity, and they waited too long. That's what I'm saying. It's it, right. Sadly, and we've seen it before in the show, but it kind of feels like that's a death that was in vain. Yeah, I no, mean, you're right. And you could even now trace this one all the way back to Sirio, who we've, you know, not seen again, but he fought and and we're led to believe probably lost that fight. But got Arya away. Got yeah, her so away that one only for her to eventually get captured again. Yeah, right. Yeah. So that well now, an, as of now. Right. Yeah. So another another Death. Yeah, our whiteboard of people dying is just growing. It's, yeah, we're gonna get a second one. But that's two characters that I like that died at least in some part or 
to give Arya a chance at at making it back to Winterfell, and basically now they're both thrown in the trash because she's in the hands of Lannisters. Oh yeah, all this whole arc of her story leads us right back to the Lannisters. Yep. She got away from the Lannisters only to get recaptured down the road. So they're all lined up after the the mini battle ensues. They're all lined up, and Sir Amy Lor- Amory Lorch is saying, you we're here for Gendry. Give him up, or I'm going to start taking eyeballs. And funny enough, most eyeballs start to lead towards Gendry. <laughs> and uh, and Arya... Dead, dead giveaway. Yeah. And Arya, somewhat quick thinking, somewhat kind of like... Well, I'll get your take on it. What did you think about that? Well, yeah, I mean, I thought when they they foreshadowed it by like showing him grab it. Yeah, long I, I guess they had to to like give a reason for why he had it with him. Right. But that was yeah. It was I thought it was smart. Well, she never whatever. even but she doesn't really even look at Lamy. She like looks at Gendry and then says, "You want Gendry? You got him already." He loved that helmet. You know, and she doesn't really even, I, I mean, unless she saw it before, I guess, that, oh, that helmet's right there, um, you know, next to Lamy. I, I don't know. I, I, th- I think that's less believable than the Theon thing. Well, what's his dude did kill him with her, her sword, so she yeah. could have been watching wouldn't, where Needle was going. Wouldn't. What is that guy's name? Who? The guy who kills Lamy and I can't remember his name. Clotheslines. It starts with a P. He had kind of looking armor though. Polliver. Yeah. Polar bear. Polar bear. Yeah. Polar bear. I don't know this to be true. This is just theory here. But they were really, really, really heavy-handed with the in in this is season one with all the bastard children of Robert being. Dark haired. Dark haired. Right. They were very adamant that that's that is a telltale sign of a bastard of Robert, uh, of Baratheon. Robert Baratheon. Yeah, but you can't just kill all the dark haired people. I understand. What I'm getting at, if you'll shut the fuck up for a second, let me finish. Is she points out a blonde headed kid, and there's no suspicion or questions asked. Like, wouldn't don't you think that people sent to find this bastard of Robert that they somehow figured out because the armor is on his way to King's Landing? Don't you think that like a big thing that they'd be looking for is dark headed? Yeah. I don't know if they are and and we actually talked about this um, outside of this, but I don't think they would have um, had that information. Yeah. Cause they weren't, Kingsguard. The only piece of information well, the, they well, but they weren't Ned. Ned was the one that figured out by the by the hair situation. Well, no, but from the murders of all the kids and everything, all the all the like kids that weren't babies that they killed had dark hair. Yeah, but but not, that doesn't necessarily mean that everyone's putting those pieces together. Um, and to in their mind, Joffrey and Tommen and Marcella are also Robert's children in their mind. Now they've heard. Uh. They've heard the rumor. They've heard the rumor, but none of them are thinking that Joffrey was not is not a legitimate. They are they're Lannister ban- bannermen, and so they're not thinking that Joffrey is an illegitimate heir. Like, so, what, what, but but <laughs> that's th- good. Actually, the only the only pushback to that that I have is wouldn't the armor have given? Wouldn't that? Wouldn't you think that if you're going to go searching for someone that you would have gotten a physical description of exactly. the person? Yes, that that part I I do agree with you that there it's likely that the that the um. 
the guy that Gendry was working for, they asked, how would we know him? He says he has a bull's head helmet. Probably would have said, okay, can we get a description of his features yeah, as well? Know, dark buzz hair, good stocky build. Yeah, attractive human. Yeah, yeah. kind of hot. Yep. Bull's head helmet. Bull's head helmet. Bull's head helmet. Like, those are the things that, okay, I can, I'll can. start with that. And his name's Gendry. I'll, I'll figure it out from there. Yeah. But these guys, like, to your point, Keith, they are not City's, City Watch. They are. But, but those guys were with them. The City Watchers who went and retrieved, retrieved the Lannisters and came back. In fact, in the scene where Amory Lorch is sitting on his horse, those guys are there behind they're him. with him. Anyway, it's just poking holes sure, unnecessarily, yeah. but it's one of those little details that like I, after having watched the show several times, is like, okay, well, that's a thing. You may not have even yeah, thought I, of I, it. I did. Um, and I don't know that I have up until this watch through, but it was just like, okay, that seems like you, you took that answer pretty quickly and easily. Yeah. Um, well, but the show just stopped. So, yeah. Well, technically, we don't know. Yeah, they, but they that. they said we're headed to Heron Hall, you know, kind of thing. Like they they seemed seemed to have moved on from it in that moment, and like I, I'll take that answer. Okay, great. Yeah. So anyway, that's the end of the episode. Uh, it ends there. Predictions for next week. What do you think we're going to see? What storylines are going to pick up, and where are they going to go? Uh, we're going to follow Arya and Gendry back to Herring Hall, Heron Hall, Heroin Hall, Heroin Hall, Heroin Hall, which it is cursed. According to Baelish. Right. So maybe it is a heroin haul. All right. <laughs> um, we are going to... This was a question that uh, Lauren pointed out to me and has nothing to do with anything we're talking about right here. Was... I'm still a little bit bitter. I'm sorry. The pirate from the last episode. Salador San. Salador San. Is he the only not white person we have seen so far? Uh, that's correct. Yes. Okay. Yeah. He is... He is uh so he's a Lycian pirate and right. um people, from C Lycee no like from, from he's a from Leechy pirate a Legion pirate from Lease so there's a there's an area called Lease I know I was just making a joke about okay. the C, well I don't know what pirate. You, I don't know what you know and don't know well it's pretty obvious that that was but, a joke but they do describe in <laughs> in the books it. that like there's dark darker people that come from Lease right um so anyways uh yeah non white isn't a hundred percent. First the, non-white. The Dothraki. Well, the Dothraki are yeah. But yeah, but, first first black person that we see in the show. Yeah. And still remaining the only one. Yep. Um, um, sorry, but more predictions. Uh, we're gonna get Renly and Cat. Okay. Some good things come out of that because I would like to see that uh team up between him. Are and Are you Rob. predicting good things coming out of it? Uh, yeah, I think so. Okay. Unless so, unless the whole. Baby thing has put Renly off of his uh, good mood. <laughs> oh, okay. so it's kind of going to depend on how Cat catches him. Yeah, like hopefully she gives him some time to get to his rocks off a little bit and sure impregnate the bitch. Wow, good callback. It's a callback. Yeah. Oh yeah the <laughs> the ten good or ten good men some climbing spikes. Yeah. So okay. what else? What other predictions you got? Um, you think we'll see Danny in the next episode? I hope we see Danny. Okay. That's less of a prediction and more of a desire to see the dragons and whatever happens with her. What, what, do, about, you, what do you think the next step in her story is based on where we've left off? I mean, she's got to find someone or something because they're dying. Yeah. So okay. whether that's they stumble across the end of the desert or someone 
finds them, takes them captive and brings them somewhere. I don't know, but they can't stay there. They can't stay in the desert. Okay. Could be 40 years. It could be. We don't have to do that. <laughs> I don't want to do the politics thing. You don't want to do the Bible thing. We're even. I mean, you know, that story would be cooler if there were dragons with the Israelites. It would be cooler. Yeah. We should go back and tell them that. I, I think I've heard that we have the power to, to travel, like the time travel thing. We just can't get back. Us three or just... No, not we. Oh. I, like, I, I think I've, I've read that, like that it's it's there, Where, but, on but we can't get back. Uh, yeah, he saw no, it on actually, Facebook. No, okay, fuck you guys. <laughs> um, Stephen Hawking, in his book, there's a or one of his books, he he does. It's like it's the ten big questions answered by Stephen Hawking. Is it mm-hmm. a theory though, or is it like something that has ha- someone has done it? No, 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 no. Well, I mean, there's stuff out there on BuzzFeed and the internet that like you know says like that I people said, have done BuzzFeed. it. But but Stephen Hawking, like yeah, you know, it, what okay. does he know? A lot. Nothing now. <laughs> well, he yeah, he did know That's a lot. True. Um, anyways, Ouch. sorry. So, so Danny, okay. Anything else? Um, I'm trying to remember everything we, uh, Robin Theon, anything there? Oh yeah. Theon's going to do something stupid. Whether that's good or not. That's a cold take. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> yes. The stupid character is going to be stupid somehow. I don't know. I, I think he's going to keep going, uh, with his family. He's going to attack something in the North. So uh, you, I kind of so so on that note, you think that Theon is all in because earlier you had mentioned that maybe I it's I don't maybe think he's all in that scene with him burning the note. Like he took the time to wrote it, write it. So like I don't think he's a hundred percent Greyjoy. We don't so okay. What's dead will never die. But like mm. I think he's that the weird. uh drowned god scene where they baptize him which like which by the way i did not talk about that it's not necessary i guess i skipped that on my it's funny that you find that that weird to me that i find what weird the the pouring of water over somebody i don't i didn't think it was weird did i not write that down i I started talking to lauren about like cthulhu and like is that like the drowned (laughs) god and is this like one of the elder gods from well remember so their uh i mean their sigil is the kraken right uh, which is pretty cool, by the way. Um, but yeah, uh, that it—that's it, who they serve. Basically, mm-hmm. I um, did. I did write anointed because it's almost like an anointing. It's not, but it's like a—it's it's it's like a rewashing him into. Yeah, yeah, I wrote that down under let the Theon letter, and then I wrote anointed question mark. Not, not that to big say he deal. was anointed, but anyway, right? Um, we totally yeah. didn't talk about that. But that's just another like that's also a dark sounding god to me, along with the. Lord yeah. of Light soup. It's almost like Lord a Davy Jones almost thing, you know, kind of thing. Like if you die at sea, you're, you know, in the halls of the drowned god, so what's, to speak. What's dead will never die, though. That is it. Th- those, those. Uh, it's it's not their words, but it is a very cool. I think that one's cooler saying. than we do not sow. Yeah. Well, I, I kind of like we do not sow as as the words, but the what is dead may never die when you're talking about someone who was a part of their culture and their their family mm-hmm. who is dead that is that's super cool well it's so a little cool. known fact they're actually talking about they don't make clothing what we do we not don't so oh, it's yeah. sew sew yeah my favorite we, fr- my favorite phrase so far is that's why they were the night is dark and full of terrors yeah cuz that shit's terrifying that's why yeah. they were giving theon such a hard time about his clothes yeah cuz they, they don't all have, sew they all have crappy clothes <laughs> yeah that's we don't good. sew we just grab 
Yeah, remnants and so speaking of the night is dark and full of terrors. What do you think about Stannis? Stannis. We didn't see Stannis. Oh yeah, we didn't see Stannis. Um, There's so many storylines. Yeah, Uh, the Red Lady's pregnant now. Obviously, she's gonna talk about it. Oh, she's obviously pregnant. Obviously pregnant after that. Stannis's moves worked, huh? Right after Justin's uh, favorite sex scene ever. You you think that was enough to get the job done? Well, I mean, you were describing it so well and just said it was such good scenes that yeah. My experience, that is enough to get the job done. (laughs) Nick has firsthand knowledge. I think that's how we're going to end this episode. Uh, we hope you no. have a great week. Where do we? Where do we find us? I don't know. Tell me where to find us. On Instagram at Dragons Dreadforts. On, on Patreon, Patreon at patreon.com slash Dragons Dreadforts. We would love your support. Uh, you can think about it this way: if you enjoy listening to me, Justin, or Keith, pick one of us and just buy us a beer for that month. Three dollars, five dollars. But just, yeah, do it through Patreon. That's what we're going to use the money for anyways. Um, and to give you extra content to to make the show cooler and better and, and you know, all of the things that people say to get you to give the money. Um, but that, that's a good way to think about it. You just buy us a beer for a month at Dragon Shred Forts. Phone number? I don't have it. 352-541-2409. Yep. It's in our show notes, too. It is in our show notes. Hope you, you enjoyed it. Anything to add, Keith Winter? Uh, no, this was great. Uh, You guys are great, and uh, you guys are great, the listening people. Downton Abbey. Fuck you. Say it. Say the right